0: Streaming live around the world, this is Paper Cuts. No! God, please, no! No! With Brad and Jay. We need, like, some name tags with our picture on it all laminated and whatnot. I mean, we gotta look legit, man. You sound insane. Do you realize that?
1: We are
0: live. Here we go, everyone. Welcome to another episode of... Paper cuts the uh show that's taking the world by storm, or oh. you know, at least grabbing the world by the balls or doing something with it. I don't know. I don't know, Jay. <laughs> my name is Jay. Jay. Yes, my name is Jay. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> me with me. Uh, 75% of the time,
2: it's the this guy
0: right? <laughs> yeah, you guys know him from the uh channel Brad Proctor. That's yep. the real Brad Proctor over there, guys. That's
2: the real deal. The real Brad Proctor stand up.
0: Yeah, Brad, I had a late night last night.
2: I heard, I heard you had a little shindig last night i
0: i I got interviewed i uh, me of this duo show me i mean it shows
2: who who the real who the real champ
0: is right (laughs) no one cares about this guy over here it's all about i can't ever point the right way it's all about this guy i know i know so why are we doing a show on a saturday afternoon 1 Uh, p.m for us
2: we can ask ross ross is here we can ask him why we're doing this
0: i think i think we're going to journey to the other side of the the world And I don't even think they're even on the other side of the world. That that would be like I don't even know what countries on the other side of the world from us. But uh, China, I think, <laughs> is it? I don't know. Is it? Sounds good. I so, I'm, I'm oh, so no. bad. I need to get a map, like right here. So, let's welcome our guest. He's the writer of. I'm going to say a lot of books, a here. bunch of books, lots yeah. of books. I think I've read them all except for one. You're uh, slacking, Jay. I'm slacking. I've read I
2: things up. I've read almost one. I've almost read this one completely. <laughs> you're you're embarrassed,
0: kid. That's more yeah. than like 98% of the world's population. <laughs> Let's see. We have we have warding. I think that's the first one I read. Uh curfew. Senders of a blind man who could see. That's a that's a, a that's a cool title. title. That's a big title. That's the only one I've not read yet. I have it, I've not read it yet.
2: It's too uh, many words for you to, to do that one. You can't you read that one. <laughs> I don't I don't
0: really read. Uh The Balance. <laughs> and then he has a, a short story collection, Paths Best Left Untrodden. And mm. then the newly released below hello. well that
2: title the keelan patrick yeah. burke title yeah. he's taking a little title, break right title. now
0: from running he's not running right now i, I keep track of his running on instagram show <laughs> off show everyone has healthy and stuff yeah hello Jeff Harrison. how up, the Kev? hell are you i'm very
3: good thank you guys i've got here a uh Coconut and coffee porter to accompany me on the show. Nice. Oh. Uh, it's, the, it's the evening here, so I'm not just like a morning drinker. Or a <laughs> He's thing. not yeah, just blasted yeah. at 10 a.m. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: It's, it's almost tomorrow there. Exactly. But it's thank you so tomorrow much for having
3: tomorrow. me on the show, guys. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Well, thanks I, for coming on, man.
0: And, and you'll be getting your bill soon in the, in the, in the mail. <laughs> very so. good, very good. 28 <laughs> days, 28 days for, for So, what's going on? This is a pretty big week for you. You have a new release this week. Yes,
3: it's a very exciting time. Um, uh this book I, I uh sent it off to silver shamrock when i finished it uh the final the final version of it in about the middle to the end of 2019 and then you know these things take time and right, right. Uh, eventually ken came back to me said he liked it then we went through the edit process and here finally
0: it is so out that's what's in the world done back in 2019
3: i mean it was it was written in 2018 then it went to beta readers in early 2019 they read it and said, Kev, what are you on about? This is garbage. Change this. And so I changed lots of things. Um, and then... Uh, Did you keep the then title? My... It's
0: the same title? Just changed everything else? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Was that three years for to release a book? Yeah, it's a long, old process. That's why I'm a bit
3: worried, because I don't have anything else uh, sold yet. So like, I need to what? get my skates on,
0: metaphorically. So oh, brag it off my back about mine, okay? Oh, I hey, got t- I got time. I'll, I'll leave you alone. you got time, man. <laughs> Kev, You're only 57. You've got a while to go. Yeah, really. You're a man <laughs> of many travels. You're in the UK right now, right?
3: That's right. Yeah, I'm that's, working that's in a university for the summer. That's not where I live normally. It's where I'm from. I okay. grew up in the UK. I lived here for like 30 years and then went, why do I live here? This is terrible. <laughs> um, and left uh, and didn't. And, but I still come back like every two years or so. I come back for the summer to do some university work because it's really fun. It's really challenging and interesting. Uh, that pays really ross well
0: is in, ross is in the chat there he sort of get pissed at you calling his uh home place off to live. The yeah <laughs> so when you say
2: university what what actual age group are you talking about teaching
3: uh i teach um postgraduate students so like basically what it is they come from like all the different countries all over the world so like china thailand saudi arabia jordan uh and they want to study a postgraduate qualifications like a phd or a master's in the uk and they need to get their English from like being just very good, like general English into being like academic English. So I just uh, make them suffer for eight to nine weeks. Uh, <laughs> and then they do an exam and hopefully they pass and everyone's happy.
2: So do you hand out your book to each student? Give me a book, book report and we'll give an A. I,
3: I mean, I don't think actually like uh, I, because like they're um, they're from countries where like where horror is really like not in the
0: mainstream. I think they would all like ask to move classes if they read any of my stuff. <laughs> my teacher's you crazy, give a, guys. You have <laughs> exactly. a chance to teach them. Right now, teach them. We were talking to Mitch Seaborn. And I think we asked him the exact same thing. You know, teach them your stuff. That's a few more sales. I, would, yeah, I, so I think to. he
2: teaches like a, what elementary school, I think. Was it middle school? Oh my God. school? <laughs> no, no, it was high school. I'm sorry. It was high they, school. They
0: can learn about horror. Not like early. pushing
2: horror to nine year olds. Yeah. Like, yeah. like my the, dad when I was
0: in. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what was it about the UK that made you want to leave though? What? Probably um, right, the
2: horrible I, I, weather, I, right?
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I mean the weather definitely doesn't help like uh <laughs> because uh, I get this thing called sad um like which is a seasonal affective disorder Mm -hmm. and like it's where you don't get like uh sunlight and you kind of feel really crap and like the problem over here is like it's not like in some countries where it's like oh crappy winter but the summer's really nice it's like no it's kind of gray (laughs) like 290 days a year that's how i'm picturing it really yeah just gray 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 gray. like you could make a black and white film in england no one would even (laughs) know it was in black and white
0: (laughs) nice so i mean does uh, Portugal have a better nightlife then
3: um yeah, definitely so. Um, especially like during the summer, it's just it's just so warm, so sunny. Uh, also, you have like uh, the ocean everywhere because it's like a tiny country, Portugal. It's okay. like kind of a little stick of a country with like ocean all the way around it. So um, it's really good in that way. Also okay. though, like another thing about England that I really didn't like is that it's quite a fighty culture. Um, so like when everyone has like a few... Beers and I like <laughs> beer myself, but everyone goes I've out has a few yes. beers on a weekend, and then they start like just scrapping in the streets, and it's just, <laughs> just really tiresome and not very good when you're a very small person like me and you can't defend yourself. They
2: like fight over the we're, soccer clubs. I
0: was gonna say, I was gonna yeah. wake up soccer. Yeah, scrappy. I like guess football
2: clubs. I'm sorry, not soccer. Yeah,
3: <laughs> oh, no, I'm a big football fan, football. but I've
0: never ha- felt
3: the need to sort of beat anyone's head in because of football. It's just a very <laughs> strange idea. Brad, we were just so, uh, our sport ignorance, that's all. Yeah. So <laughs>
2: Portugal's right up right next to Spain, correct?
3: Exactly, it used to belong so, to Spain. So, Don't tell Portuguese people that because they get pretty upset. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was actually uh, it was taken over by Spain for a few years. We, we still celebrate the Independence Day from Spain on the tenth of December every year. Like, yes, no longer will I be part of Spain. <laughs> um, so it's it's quite a different culture though. It's like um, I think because the water's cold, like it has an mm-hmm. effect on like people are a bit more sort of miserable and like uh, melancholic, which means I fit in really well. <laughs> Is the food there awesome? Our food is killer, yeah, especially seafood and like yeah. um, cheese and wine is like unbelievable. So yeah, it's very good. So what What's the uh, main language then? It is Portuguese. Okay. Um, so, like, uh, probably if you look at Portuguese on the internet, you'll normally find Brazilian Portuguese, which is really different in terms of pronunciation. Like, if you think about the differences between American English and British English, it's about mm-hmm. doubly as different as that. Um, like, we'll some different that grammar and
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, how many different languages can you speak fluently then?
3: Uh, I mean, fluently. Uh, uh pretty good to think that it's um, more than one. <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> uh Portuguese, Polish, because I lived in Poland for three years and I oh. can understand French really well, but I can't speak it anymore. I used to be able to speak it really well, but now I can like read
0: it, but when I try and speak it, I just sound like a toddler. Yeah, I, I struggle <laughs> I struggle with one, so <laughs> Not <yet>. I know. <laughs> Are you uh, considered a celebrity in Portugal?
3: Uh, definitely not, no. Although actually the, last week I got someone write me an email, uh, which is really weird. And it was like a guy who said like, hey, I was looking at the um, back cat- the catalogue of uh, Silver Shamrock the other day and I saw that you're like a Lish Boeta writing for Silver Shamrock. This is amazing. And I was <laughs> like, I'm not actually from Portugal. I'm actually from England. But then we had a little chat. It was, it was quite nice. That's pretty cool.
0: You got him going down the street, popping his collar, sunglasses. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Quick stuff. <laughs>
2: Before, before I lose it, we've got one question already, uh, probably about below. Mm. Priscilla asked, have you ever been inside of mine or are you claustrophobic? Uh,
3: this is a weird one, actually, um, because um, I had a period of time where I became claustrophobic and it was really weird. It was like um, when I was working in West London um, in about mid 2000s, like the, the noughties, mid noughties, um, there was this big bomb uh, attack in London um which was really horrible like lots of people died in the center of london it was on the uh, metro system and um i was on the metro that day but i was quite far from where it happened i was at the other end but like after that for a few weeks when it was go- when when the trains were going to the tunnel i had like some real sort of close to panic attacks actually just like real stress related to being sort of in the underground system because of this consciousness of like this thing had happened recently and i was going through sort of similar places where that had happened so that was my only ever uh, sort of wrestling with claustrophobia and it kind of wore off after a few weeks once things normalized in terms of mines I actually went to a mine when I lived in Poland because I had a one-to-one student who was a, a mine a mining project manager for a really big company and so like every week he would like come to me and go like hey I've got to do a presentation about this mining thing can I give you the presentation in English and, and you tell me if I've got mis- if I made mistakes and stuff so I'll do that and at the end of the year he was like do you want to come and see the mine and I said sure why not so we went there and uh, and it was really amazing experience it's a coal mine not a gold mine um mm-hmm. right. uh but like when we got there this is a really funny thing because we arrived and he goes here's some overalls like cover all things and a hat and he said now you have to take your clothes off and i was like <laughs> me how um I mean, I, I, just, I just don't feel that way about you, you know. Um, <laughs> and uh, he kind of said, like, no, 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 no. It's just that, like, when you get down there, it's really bloody hot. So if you're wearing uh-huh. any clothes underneath the overalls, you'll just be, like, sweat-soaked kind of freak so uh so yeah i had to like strip down to my boxes then put the overalls on and then we went down there and it was uh it was a really interesting experience like the darkness and the pressure and the heat was the thing that really surprised me because the darkness is kind of hotter like, down there right? yeah much hotter like it was about a kilometer down or something like that it was it was the biggest one in poland uh it was in my district where i lived like my province um and it was yeah it was the biggest one there so it like, went about about a kilometer down so that's about six 60 percent of a mile down so a long way down yeah. uh, and the pressure is like really builds up and so the heat like gets really oppressive um yeah really really weird like kind of quite humid as well um mm-hmm. and then yeah and the weirdest thing was the darkness because like the lights kind of go like like this and then they kind of just die like just the light stop, just kind yeah. of dies yes yeah, so bizarre have you guys ever been in that kind of situation in a mine at all no i've, I've never I'm been listening to you i've so. been to a
2: mammoth cave is here in kentucky it's, i think it's the biggest cave system in america i think wow i haven't been to like i'm claustrophobic so i don't do the squeeze through the little hole parts but like the big open chambers i'm cool with yeah but, but it was all lit up and stuff so it wasn't like we were in pitch black or you know they had all the lights in the ceilings for the tourists and whatnot gotcha. it's really cool it's it is a very otherworldly experience to be under the ground like that though yeah it
3: really is yeah i love cave
2: systems
0: i love it uh, i went down to a cavern it, you know, it's 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 a ways down. Uh, we have a park, a special park up here that uh, has a, a nice cavern to go down. And it was chilly. It was it was kind of yeah. cold down there. That's why I was confused with ah. mines being so much hotter because I think they were telling us that it stays around. Um, I don't know what this it's is supposed to be like. Fifty Celsius, degrees, or something yeah, like it, that. it's around fifty degrees. So that's why like I was room temperature kind temperature. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: I wonder if it's different being a cave in a mine, though, if that has any difference.
3: Right. No idea. I mean, I've only been to some. I've been to a few cave systems, but they've always been like sort of around like uh, surface level. You know, it's so like either on the surface, like bored into a mountain, or like just just a little bit below, like nothing right. like as deep as the mine. So I really don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. The mine would be a lot deeper than just you know a cave. You'd be going in too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, this was only, uh, I don't know how deep down it is. Uh, I think like a total of 100 steps because the way they had it set up. So,
2: Juan down here said he went to a mine in Mexico and he couldn't even breathe.
3: Mm,
0: Interesting. I mean, just thinking about that makes me freak out. I I know how enclosed it is. I've watched like, you know, documentaries on on mining and all that stuff. And I, yeah, I mean, they come out of there just totally full uh, of soot and stuff and just sweating like crazy. and it's just not a nice experience, I don't that. think. Even I mean, like northern conditions, a horror yeah. to me.
3: Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly, exactly.
2: The, did you do a lot of research, like uh, on mining and stuff? Because this takes well. It takes place in present day, but the sort of disaster was in the fifties. Did you do mining research for this?
3: Uh, a little bit of that, yeah. Um, and with i mean more more of the research was around like how they would support a mine that was partially collapsing in the modern mm-hmm. day and so that was where i kind of like emailed this guy from poland and said like hey can you tell me about these hyd- hydraulic support thingies that i've read about and like you know how would you work them and another thing that was in there actually which is where there's a bit where they use um flares and then i thought mm-hmm. right why if flares would be a terrible thing and like blow everyone up and kill everyone so i said to him <laughs> Like, you know, can you use flares? And he said, like, you have to. You can use flares, but they have to be. It depends on the conditions. of The mine depends on like gas escapes and things like a suspected gas escapes, and also like they would have to be limited in number so they don't like sort of one catching to another and like blow everybody up.
2: Yeah, the the mine or the flare scene reminded me of the movie Descent for some reason. Like just that visual cue, and it went off like everything yeah, bathed yeah. in red. It was that's a cool scene.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, when that scene happened, I was wondering, you know, if there was going to be more of an explosion because of the gases. In mm-hmm. some of these mines, but it would have been gold mine. I think it's more sort of gold <laughs> yeah. and silver in the walls. So yeah, yeah it was more of a coal. Of coal, yeah. one exactly have been, would have been blown up. So exactly, yeah. We're like making things about his story right now. Like I'm telling him, if it was a coal mine, it was blown <laughs> up. He's the one that wrote it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also, uh, it takes place in what around San Francisco, or at least out. Past yeah that, sort right.
3: of like out in the sort of mountainous areas there i mean there's no mine in that place there are mines like in the in the neighborhood but i just mm-hmm. picked a place where there hadn't been one but where there was like you know nothing there basically mm-hmm. so i thought it'd be a good sort of ripe setting for because that isolation i wanted the isolation to be in the ground but i also wanted there to be isolation beyond the, the mine itself as well like sort of you know the local area being quite desolate too
2: have you ever been to america in that area at all
3: i've only been to america once and like this is the cheesiest thing ever but i went to an <laughs> island in florida um okay. not not like a uh, key west it was like some other island like san marco or something i don't know um uh, mm-hmm. when i was about 16 one of my friend's mums was a uh, a flight attendant and she like said would you like to come to america for a month with your friend and i was like yes i bloody would <laughs> um and so we just went there and stayed on the beach but we just did beach things and like played beach football and swam Brad, and he left
0: the uk stuff. he doesn't want to come to america okay he went to like hey. a nice place <laughs> that's,
2: that's... True. At least, at least it's not always gloomy here all the time. At right. There there, some you know, where you gotta
0: have
3: sunshine. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see more of America, especially like your national parks. Like that is like on my to do list for life. Like I would love to come and see those things.
2: Yeah, I really yeah. want to go to Yellowstone. I've never been, but I'd like to oh go out to God, Yellowstone. Amazing, stuff.
3: Wouldn't it? Yeah.
2: So that is cool. <laughs> you did the the mine, the claustrophobic there, and then the isolation out in sort of the desert. That's pretty it, it, cool. Just I like a that. side
0: note: this is not a spoiler, uh, but. You ruined beef jer- beef jerky for me. Just, you know, this is we were talking before we went live here that you kind of ruined beef jerky for me.
3: Yes. Um Thanks. next time
0: you eat beef jerky, just uh, <laughs> just ask yourself There's not gonna be a it, next time now. Is it really
3: beef? <laughs> it I, I am really... questioning where it's coming <laughs> it's from. <now>. Beef jerky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it it's is a mystery supportive. meat jerky. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a reason why it's salty now.
3: Makes <laughs> his meat, meat, says James Fetcher. Quite right, James, quite right.
0: If you're desperate.
3: Oh, yeah. It's how you got to do what you got to do. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so what you about, sort of pulled in some, uh, I, was giving, I guess, some some folklore myth kind of things into this a little bit. Hmm. You talk about that at all without trying to give too much away? Like what your inspiration was for pulling? Well, what these claws might be on the cover, cover well, in he's there. He's a master
0: yes. of of the folklore stuff. He and is if master folklore. You, if, you read, if you read the balance, you'll see that. I mean, I there's want a few to... short stories and paths left Untrodden yeah, too. You'll absolutely. see that. He's the master of folklore. So I mean I wouldn't
3: say master, but thank you very much. Hey, it's very I'm saying it for you. You can <laughs> say it. But that's okay. Um, but yeah, I um uh yeah, I wanted to be non-specific about what it is. Uh, I wanted there to be questions about like uh in the, both in the mind of the the antagonist himself, uh, like the mm-hmm. grandfather character, and I wanted there to be questions for the uh the protagonists, you know, who are living through the sort of conflict with it. Um uh, I remember reading a few years ago, uh, I don't know if you guys have read this book by a guy called Andy Davidson called In the Valley of the Sun.
2: I have not. I've read Bowman's I, Daughter, which was amazing. Oh, I haven't read Actually, that. I'm sure well, that is amazing. So good. Yeah.
3: yeah. In the Valley of the Sun is similarly just so good. And like, I heard him talking about it and he was saying like, you know, like I wanted to write a vampire book, but I didn't want to use the V word. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he does this like tremendous job of like, you know, it obviously is a vampire and it kind of builds up this amazing sort of folklore that's slightly off kilter from uh, the – you know what we consider traditional folklore perhaps but certainly mm-hmm. a lot of elements got sort of carried over but but he never mentions that word um and it just uh i thought this is a really Texas nice Texas way to well deal right with it. uh i think it is yeah i think somewhere in the american south yeah yeah i've got yeah. it over there somewhere utterly that, brilliant his writing like. is yeah his writing yeah, is amazing. phenomenal yeah such a nice chap as well which is like amazing it's kind of like why can't you at least be horrible if you're that talented? <laughs> So there's something that draws you to folklore cause like I said, it's
2: sort of in this and it's really heavy in the balance and some of your other stories, is there something about folklore and creatures and mythology that you really enjoy?
3: I think folklore is like where horror comes from. Cause I think mm-hmm. folklore is like, you know, so many of our stories in folklore were like, and in the forest, there was a thing that will, you start going in the forest. <laughs> um, it seems
0: uh, like, it seems like it's, you could just do it unintentionally. You just start out with a story and, and just automatically folklore is connected somehow. Yeah, I think I mean it definitely comes sort of quite naturally to me.
3: Um, and I think that's also partly to do with like traveling a lot and things. So um when I travel, I'm really interested in stories like from those places, like the old, the old tales, as it were. Like uh-huh. um I remember going out to Croatia a couple of years ago and there was a completely bonkers um like sort of festival happening in this really small town and I was driving past in the bus. So I just thought, I'm just going to get off the bus and find out what's going on. So I went over there and sort of spoke to these people. I was like, yeah, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, this is when we conquered this dragon. And I was like, <laughs> dragon, you say? Nice. Um, and it was actually like all symbolic of when they basically turned back the, um, the oncoming... Uh, Ottoman Empire in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. uh, but it was all symbolized by dragons and stuff. So it was it was really cool. And I just you know I really thrive on that kind of thing. And I always want to find out about that type of stuff when I go places away from home.
2: Yeah, the like you said, best uh, best left untrodden, sort of off the beaten path. That's where you always find the coolest stuff. Exactly, man. Exactly.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, for sure. There,
0: there's a couple of uh, short stories in that that I felt the folklore come through also with untrodden. So. Yeah, I, I think it's sort of going to follow you throughout your career, basically. Definitely, <laughs> like the solstice, like
3: that's yeah. uh, yeah. that, that actually the stuff in that kind of happens still. Like, I mean, obviously, like not the shadow creatures eating people, but um, <laughs> uh, but like as it's, it's you're on it, so exactly, exactly. Yeah,
2: you have a favorite like folklore creature or something from mythology? I know you did oh the balances with Baba Yaga.
3: Yeah. Wow, I like- <gasps> yeah, I oh Yaga's yeah, cool. She's great. Um oh man. Uh actually I did like a giveaway a while ago for the, the balance. And um this guy, um uh oh my god, I've forgotten his name, how rude. Um, Edward somebody, um, he won the uh the giveaway by choosing his favourite folklore and he chose the black shuck. Do you guys know the black shuck?
0: I do not. I've uh, heard it. What it's like a massive do black that?
3: dog that kind of you know I'm like actually, mates yeah. with Satan, probably um it's got red eyes and uh like there's a church in east anglia in the uk where you can go and like apparently the black shark kind of went there and tried to kill everyone and they sheltered in the church and it didn't they the, the black shark didn't manage to kill them but like in the doors there are actually these claw marks like actually in the wooden doors still now right. you can see them oh yeah and like these are supposedly from these claws of this sort of like demonic hound which is pretty cool that so that's one of my cool. favorites yeah
2: Thanks. you said you've been to poland or lived in poland poland has a mm-hmm. lot of cool folklore and stuff too. absolutely
3: yeah
0: What the balance has taken place. What is that? Is that in Poland, right? Yeah, that is in Poland in the
3: Cold War, exactly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the Baba Yaga sort of myth is all over Slavic sort of countries. So, like, uh, I know someone from Ukraine who actually met a a Baba Yaga when she was Uh a kid because she was having like nightmares or something. And um, they, her family, tried to deal with it at home. And then when they couldn't deal with it at home because they lived in a quite rural place, they were like, We're off to see the Baba Yaga. And they put like a metal (laughs) bowl over her head. And like this woman like chanted stuff while she poured like water over the bowl. And then they. she said like, yeah, she's gonna be fine now. And then she went home and stopped having nightmares, but she doesn't think it's related to- the water is,
2: like, All the that ground. stuff is just completely <laughs> fascinating to me. Like all these little rituals and spells yeah. and stuff like that that
3: tie into it. is all It's all of this so like cool. written
0: down somewhere to someone could just like totally study this. It really like- It must be. Really, I mean, yeah. some of this stuff
3: must be documented somewhere. Yeah, yeah,
0: but I mean, I find it fascinating. I don't believe in
3: it, like, but, uh, but I just yeah. think it's so fascinating. <laughs> Fascinating. it's fascinating to like, see that other it people it, believe it else. yes
2: <laughs> like i like truly hardcore believe in that stuff it's
3: just, yeah that's yeah that, what's i mean, really taking your though. like small child you know like to be treat treated uh by this uh, person it's just bonkers isn't it like really crazy yeah. But, yeah
0: kind of like going to the witch doctor and and, and you know stuff like that just absolutely yes. i could watch documentaries on that <laughs> time.
2: yeah me too me too i, so, like, Bobby. I, I like uh her her walking hut with the chicken legs. That's just that's just wild.
0: <laughs> it really is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah. Let's hop over to your uh, short story collection for a second. What's the timeline mm. for uh, Untrodden, as far as the stories being written? I think the there's like one... what, four four new ones and four that you've done before. Is that what three, I read? Or...
3: Three new ones okay. and uh, I think it's uh, ten that have been previously published. Um, uh, the first uh story, the earliest story in there, I think, is um the one about the. Girl with the interesting profession, um, yeah, uh, the fourth wall, um,
0: yeah. that was written in but 2017. You had to do, right? You, is that what you're uh telling people? Your search I history? Put, I put research? author notes in the
3: book, Jay. I put author notes in there. <laughs> I, I know someone that works. I worked know. I in,
0: just said <laughs> for those who have not read it yet,
3: that was uh, the only research I did. I spoke to my friend who had uh done. That, um, that that's and when you uh, leave
0: the little note behind to your friends hey if something happens to me go clear my search engine um, <laughs> on my computer <laughs>
3: very true very true because yeah, that's the that's probably the earliest ones so that was 2017 and then the most recent one i wrote in like the mid to late 2020 so yeah about a three Good. and a half year span yeah okay
2: so is is it easier for you to write a short story as compared to like a novella or novel or do you have a preference for either one
3: definitely easier to write shorts because like when i started writing seriously um michael david wilson from this is horror uh Mm -hmm. said to me do you want to join me and some other people doing this thing called the story a week challenge and i said like what does that involve and he said basically write a story a week for a whole year and i said that sounds absolutely ridiculous let's do that (laughs) so uh so we did it and um i failed like failed the challenge uh Mm -hmm. but I ended up with 39 shorts and about 60% of the balance. So it was kind of like my best fail ever. Um, And it was really, really good experience to sort of get into like the mechanics of short stories. Like, right, I wrote some really crap ones, but those, even those were like really good learning experiences. Like, like, okay, this is why this went wrong. And so it was really, really useful for the future. So I definitely find shorts easier. And when I'm writing longer forms, I always go back and write a few shorts like during the process just to keep me fresh because otherwise I get really. Like stuck in the mire of the middle part of the, like the the sticky middle of the novel or the novella. I, yeah.
0: I remember coming across, I think it was Snap. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. And like an older anthology. I forget which one it was though, but
3: that was um, um, the Corpus Press. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Creatures yeah. of the yeah. Night. Yeah.
0: There you go. Yeah. One of one of the Creatures of the Night uh, anthologies. Yeah, I remember coming across Snap because I, I, as soon as I saw it in Untrod, I was like, oh, wait, I've read this one before. I yeah, read yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I, it took me a while to figure out where, but yeah
2: priscilla's joking maybe you can write a novella a month for next year (laughs) oh
0: my god
3: michael david wilson suggested that to me
0: about two weeks ago and i was like please
3: please just go away
0: (laughs) well these these uh short stories actually uh head a few different genres i I got a little bit of a sci-fi and some dystopian and some fantasy and some you know and of course the solstice had the folklore in it so i mean it shows a pretty this uh uh, short story collection shows a pretty big range uh uh, of your writing Uh, is, is there a particular one i let's just say horror, is there a particular genre that you you aim for the most? Or do these other ones just come out out of nowhere? That's a really good question. I guess... um,
3: uh, Oh, gosh. That's a really, really good question. Um, I think a lot of the time, like, the story idea is just, like, um, uh, just spurred by, like, some kind of stimulus so like for example one of those dystopian ones in this uh um what's called suppression suppression is the one about the uh the thing where they basically it's like a sort of a future where they do like a dna test yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: and they find out if you have like a propensity towards crime and if they do if you do then they just put like an inhibitor in your brain to stop you from
0: uh right right impulse. I, I got i got a very big uh what was it minority, minority report. report yeah yeah
3: yeah absolutely it. absolutely I, I didn't have that in mind when i wrote it but i'm sure like there were bits of that kind of floating around there right. um and I thought like what would make it kind of more like play on the heartstrings more effectively would be just uh, to make the person make the age they do it. Like when you're a kid, basically. So, like, you know, you're yeah. like 12 years old and like you're going to get, you know, just basically lobotomized with like a little device um, just because you know, maybe one day you're going to steal something or whatever or
0: break a window. So you have a thought like that. Just, yeah, you know, exactly. What, have a thought of wondering how that would be. They, and then bam, you're on you're in the system because they, yeah. they have you. It's scary. Yeah, and it's scary. I not can see scary. it happening.
3: I mean, like if you read stuff like, uh, you know, T.C. Parker's Salt Blood, mm-hmm. like yeah. you kind of read that and you go, like, this is a dystopia. But is it that far fetched? Really? Right. Totally,
2: especially with that one, the outrage on like social media and
3: stuff, getting people upset. I can totally see. Yeah, something man, like that. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. I can see. I can see a lot of people even like
3: voting for it, like going, like, yeah, absolutely on board with that. And not even following
0: that. through with any of it. I mean, It's just a, you know, a crazy thought you might have had, and just that alone is going to get you locked up on this island for a while. There you go, so. yeah, yeah.
3: I can see this stuff happening in real life, like, you know, not too far down the line. But Stuff like that, I think, is scarier than than your
2: monsters and stuff. Like, some sort of, like, overall government control kind of thing would be terrifying.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we're all heading, you know, we're heading in that kind of direction.
0: Then he goes from that to uh, contaminate it. And that one is that one is still with me, and, and when I'm like cleaning the shower or something, and I like is that is that is that, is that mold? Is that don't breathe in, don't breathe yeah. in, Jake. I, I start to get scared. I'm start touching my eyes and hiding and stuff. And <laughs> once everyone reads this, they'll know what we're talking about. <laughs>
3: yes, exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, Contaminated is, uh, yeah, based around my actual flat, like where, because I I mean, I live like, I'm really privileged because I live like about 150 metres from the ocean and uh, on the ninth floor. So like my view is like beautiful ocean. It's a great view. Uh, Yeah, it's amazing. Um, But... Like the problem with that is that in the winter, because like the building quality in Portugal is like pretty crap. Cause they just, they just think like winter's only eight weeks. We'll just survive with blankets on. Um, <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's terrible. And so like every winter, you know, you get like black mold, like around every window, around every door and you just oh. have to scrub it. And then two weeks later, it's back again. Yeah. And so I was kind of getting frustrated with doing that and just thought like, what if the mold became like sentient somehow? Yeah. That'd also be terrifying. <laughs> it really <laughs> would. It really would. For your
2: for your winters there, does it get really cold?
3: Um, It it drops to about zero Celsius overnight sometimes, but like sort of only like four or five days a year really. Um, But the thing is, because the houses are so bad, like often I'll go outside onto the balcony to get warm, which is insane. (laughs) Like because the house (laughs) is like it kind of keeps warmer outside. Yeah, it keeps the humidity in, and so you're just like in the house, going like I'm freezing to death. Let's go outside. Oh no, it's nice and warm sunny. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) kind of the opposite here. Like if we keep our air conditioner kind of low and I'm in the basement, which is cooler to begin with. I go outside to warm up every now and then in the summertime. So
2: I think it's funny. It can be like wintertime, and your house can be 60 degrees and you're like, oh, this feels so great. And then in the summertime, if it's six degrees, you're freezing. Yeah. But it's the it's same so time it? It's, yeah. it's such a weird bonkers. thing. We're exactly. and some
0: and extra covers and stuff. Definitely.
2: <laughs> so is there a, have you ever wanted to venture outside of horror and write anything else, maybe horror adjacent or anything, or just stick with horror cause that's sort of your bread and butter.
3: I've got half of a novella or novel, not sure which it's going to be, um, which is kind of horror comedy. Um, mm, and it's okay. based in the office I worked in last before I became a teacher, where I was like really fed up of, of uh, office work. And um, the premise is basically that like the main guy is based around very much based on me. Um, and he uh, accidentally, uh, during a fire drill, uh, kills the head of his department um, <laughs> in, in a Oops. genuine. <laughs> And then he's like, "Oh my god!" And then uh, he goes off on like sort of um, like uh, compassionate leave for a while to kind of like deal with the the mental trauma of that happening. And while he's at home, he kind of thinks, "What if I staged accidents to kill the entire management team?" <laughs> um, and it becomes increasingly sort of ridiculous as time goes on because he like he sort of realizes that he's going to get caught, so he wants to kill them as quickly as possible. So yeah, there is like there's one death which involves. Uh, putting too much hot sauce in uh, the finance manager's soup so that she has a rectal (laughs) prolapse and dies. So I feel like this has to come out at some point. That sounds awesome.
0: I think Brad was hoping you'd say like a love story or something, but... Oh yeah, I love romance. The, 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 the The horror comedy will work just fine. Trust me.
2: So. You need a horror romance next.
3: <laughs> I would <laughs> love to read a horror romance. Actually, we were talking about horror this and comedy
2: goes together really well, though. That's, that's yes, those are good. Definitely, because you're laughing and then you get scared, then you laugh and get scared. They they play off each other really well.
0: Exactly. So is, that, is that the next novella we're gonna get from you?
3: I don't think so, because I've got a novel that's like um, already wrapped up in first draft form, which is no, like set in the Middle East with like some Middle Eastern like gin and uh, Middle oh, Eastern cool. folklore. That's so cool. They, yeah, I've got to finish that off in the autumn. I've got people actually who like. Have kind of said like you need to do this, Kev, or I'm going to come and beat you. So, uh, <laughs> which which is what I need to get it finished. So that's good. I like gents and genies and
2: stuff. Those, those that's more cool folklore mythology from a different part of the world. I don't yeah, of yeah that, definitely not
0: yet. I have a couple of books, but I, I I check out that part of it.
3: That's the thing. I think it's quite sort of um, under like exploited in uh, like Western horror uh, mm-hmm. phenomena. Like, sorry, horror uh, literature, and I really think it's a really ripe type of uh, horror to be exploited. So and and I had a an instance where like something happened. It wasn't to me to me, and I don't really believe it was a djinn, but the person, my friend who was a friend of mine I had in Turkey, was convinced there was like possible djinn involvement with this weird thing. So that's kind of where the book kind of jumps off. That's a jumping off point for the book.
2: And they're a lot more evil than the blue genie in Aladdin.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, they're not, not like a, that at all. There are no Robin William jokes, Robin William no. jokes in my book at all.
1: <laughs> no,
0: but I mean you could tie that into your uh horror comedy you're doing <laughs> <laughs> that's another route you could take definitely.
2: so if you did you do research on on the gin mythology and all that stuff or yeah just... there was a
3: there was a really good uh, podcast actually uh, that came out last year which was really interesting because it came out like as i was writing as i was drafting the novel uh called the hidden gin and like uh, what was really good about it is that the lady who did it is this lady called Rabia Chowdhury, who's a doctor of, uh, she's a PhD, sorry, of uh, law. And she does a lot of like, l- she does another podcast, which is like trying to help people who've been wrongly convicted of like serious crimes, uh, get, get them like... Um, what's the word like acquitted in the usa um so she's like a very methodical person so in this uh gin podcast she kind of talks about like sort of stories and then but also put lots and lots of references so i was just like yeah get the notes and like look (laughs) at this book and look at this article so lots of really helpful stuff from that that's cool that makes it
2: because like you said you don't really see much horror that involves that that's almost feels more fantastical more fantasy like than just straight up horror with genies and stuff I'm but planning to know. drop
3: more like actual really horrific horror on this one Though actually like there's some really nasty elements, like especially one particularly nasty element, but I can't spoiler that. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Don't spoil.
0: So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I saw your comment on my video, by the way. So yes, I'm looking, yes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and We won't get, we won't go back to below. Cause I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, uh, but I'm expecting some uh, viciousness <laughs> out, of the, <laughs> out viciousness. of the next one. Viciousness. Exactly. Yeah. That's, is that the name of it? <laughs> uh, I, Which, I haven't got a
3: name. I can't think of a name. I'm so crap at thinking of titles. My God,
2: just called the Gin. Is it? Real simple. So there's, already, there's already one called that. I'm, I'm sure that. there probably is. Oh, a I imagine it's like yeah. five
3: hundred books exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know there's
2: one called like the Golem in the Gin or something that I've seen fairly recently in the last couple of years that came out. But yeah, Gin stories are cool. I like that. What well, yeah. what's Ross down like,
0: here? He, he wants more horrific. More horror. horrific. I want all the blood. <laughs> Yeah, I said to Ross recently,
3: actually in a conversation, it was something like, uh, "something like, I mean, not everything has to be like sort of bloody viscera and right, death." Right. And he was like,
0: "Are, are you sure?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, but that—that's your style. Your style is more uh, like a suspense horror. It, it's there, and you know it's there, and the reader's kind of just waiting for it to happen. You know, and we know it's going to happen, but we still can't prepare for it because there's always a twist or something that just kind of gets you. I, I don't see many of yours that's just really bloody and gory and relying on the jump scares and all that stuff. No. no. Uh, so it's, it's a whole different approach. Uh, but, you know, you will surprise me if you, if you do one that, that's pretty gory and bloody sometime and just catch me off guard. I think it's not going to be gory throughout, but there's going to be a couple of scenes that are really like, fun
2: <laughs> Just really go for it. Yeah, like Jay was saying, like well, this one's more like a creeping dread and you know claustrophobic yeah. isolation. And there's hints at, in the past, like some gruesome things, but you don't really. As far as what I've read so far, I'm like page eighty or so, getting near the end. There's nothing super graphic or anything,
3: other no, than beef jerky stuff. Think also, <laughs> like with it being like a um, in sort of reported speech through the epistolary form, I think it kind of det- like kind of detaches you a little bit from the violence. So you mm-hmm. kind of like read it in a more matter of fact kind of way. It becomes less sort of like stomach churning.
0: Right. I I was getting a little bit of a, uh, like a scavenger hunt kind of thing, putting together pieces of a puzzle, trying to figure out what actually really happened. And I I enjoy, you know, when when a letter or something like that breaks up uh, the story, it's just an added feature to it. So in my head, I'm starting to put together how that's connected with the rest of the story. So I actually like that stuff. Cool, cool, cool.
2: Yeah, Nick says there's a book called The Gin by Grand. That's Rasmussen. what I was
0: thinking of it. I, I'm going yeah, to check. It that out. I think I have it somewhere.
3: I don't think I've ever read anything by him before. Which I, I don't i have ever read anything by like Grandmaster either, which is weird because he's like you know bit of an old master and been around. Yeah, for big a big legend. Time. Yeah, in exactly.
0: Fact, I'm pretty sure Nick sent it to me, so I, I, it's in a box down here. So
3: Lewis is talking about the
2: the gins, quite close to how a devil would be depicted, sort of. Yeah, like mm-hmm. sort of magical powers and that kind of thing. <laughs> so they are very similar in in a way. Yeah,
3: but the gin like exists in loads of different classes. Like there's loads of different classes of gin. Like uh, mm-hmm. so there's like lots of different types. So yeah, yeah, there's it's, it's quite mm-hmm. a lot to explore. I think. So, yeah,
2: I'm a big to. Dungeons and Dragons nerd, and in, in there, yeah, yeah. There's, there's like air genie or air gins and earth gins and fire and all that kind. Of. Yeah. So yeah, there's all kinds of exactly. different ones. It's not just you rub the lamp and a genie comes out. There's so much more to it. I'm glad exactly. you said it
0: this time, though. By the way,
2: <laughs> that I love Dungeons and Dragons. yeah. yeah.
0: That, I'm glad you said you, you're the nerd. That's I am cute. the nerd, yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, I have no no qualms about confessing that I'm no, the nerd. I no, mean, because yesterday, yesterday,
0: yesterday, you, should yesterday we guys, That's right. you and Leslie were about to like just kick me out of the group yesterday. Yeah, we, or, we
2: had a big, long message chat. It just went on about Dungeons and Dragons, and Jay's just like rolling his eyes, beating his head <laughs> on the table. He had no clue what was going on.
0: <laughs> like, I, I didn't know if I was laughing or crying. because uh, just...
2: <laughs> <laughs> They were tears of joy either way.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So if somebody has discovered you for the first time, Kev, what should they start with? um oh oh gosh
3: um i mean i want to say probably the balance i suppose because like i think that's the one that most people have had a really good reaction to um Mm -hmm. although paths is also a good option because like you can just like get like a little flavor of different types of uh story uh within the same book so So, so how
0: would you pitch the balance to someone to get them to read your stuff for the first time
3: um Uh, I'm so really read my books this. damn it yeah yeah i'm serious. So read this, this.
0: give me some money i'll give you this book read this that's it that's, that's pretty much that, you, did you copy my notes exactly um, <laughs> i was
3: seeing if we were going to match up or not that's what it was <laughs> <laughs> um i mean i think i would just say like you know uh that it's like yeah the reimagining of a of a classic like sort of folkloric trope from eastern europe like, um, yeah, changes what you what you know about witches or challenges what you know about witches. So, yeah, something like that. I, I don't know. I'm useless. If I was in marketing, I'd be fired on like in, in before break time in the first morning. Please,
0: please read my books. That's exactly. all I need. Just read it. You have a couple of uh, what are they? short, sharp shocks? Short, yes. sharp shocks. I, yes. I can probably say that. What am I missing from uh, was it Cinder's? Oh, That's what I wanted to get Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's the only one I've not read yet, so so pitch that to me. Why am I going well, to read Sinders this? Well, Cinder's is kind of folkloric.
3: <laughs> it's kind of small town, um, and basically there's a guy who is a bit of an outsider because his uh, wife died um, uh, some years before, and his son was uh, partially blinded, blinded in one eye uh, okay. in the same accident. And so he kind of has gone into his shell and is kind of away from the, the townspeople, um, and it was not long after his family moved there, so he doesn't really – like engage with the society. And then his son in the first scene comes back to him and he goes like, uh, he, he visits him in the middle of the night and the guy like gets his cricket bat out, cricket bat, cricket is a sport. So it's like the precursor to baseball. If you guys, yeah. to know. Um, he gets his cricket bat out and he's going to batter the person because he thinks it's a, it's a criminal breaking into his house at like 3am and it's his son. And his son says like, I can see. And the dad's like, what? Like, how is this possible? And he says that he'd been down in the forest, like doing this clearance thing for this uh, rail, uh, Network that's going to be installed in the area, and um, and he touched this tree, had like a weird like sort of energy, fell down, and uh, could suddenly see in this eye that he's been blinded in since he was a child. Um, and then it kind of it, it turns out that people know more than they let on, and there's kind of this sort of a big secret that the outsider is kind of kept away from. So it's kind of all about that sort of small town, like close knit group, uh, and yeah, the outsider who's kind
0: of in trouble. <laughs> I was just making sure I did have it because it's going to be my next quick read. I have it; it's good to go. <laughs> so right. I, I, I had, to, you know, finish out the whole uh, Kev Harrison library. So, and you've done a what
2: two, at least two or three of the short sharp shocks, right? Right.
0: Yeah, two. Yeah,
3: there's that one and there's curfew. Um, I'm really excited actually because curfew is coming out uh, this summer in sometime this summer in uh, paperback, and um, with my short sharp shocks because they were actually really quite short. Um, I agreed with with Dean from Domain that we would put like an, a bonus short story in the paperback edition, just so it's like worthwhile for people to buy a paperback if they want. Um, and so in Cinders, there's a story which is called um, uh, "All My Bridges Burnt," which is based on folklore in uh, which I, something I read about. More fo- in, you're the master uh, of folklore. Yeah. I'm telling you, I told That's, you, it's was, my so. thing. <laughs> it's like a um, it's about a dead man's curve, where there's which is haunted in uh, New Jersey. So it's like two brothers go on a little road trip, and one of them like has been watching ghost hunter videos, and he's like, "I want to get this ghost and like video it." And obviously, things go very wrong. <laughs> and um, Curfew's coming out this summer, and it's going to have a song, co- a story called Haljas, which is which has got some Estonian folklore, some little nice. creepy like uh, gnome people. It's not good. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> a little
0: gnome people. Curfew is, so- just got a, like a whole eerie feeling from the get go. The the lady of the house and her rules that they have to be in by I mean that's that's what it is a curfew, uh, just and in, in just the way she's acting I I I need to review that still Brad <laughs> I need <laughs> to reviewed, read them all so yeah <laughs> when you watch
3: there's that relationship between the uh, the owner of the B and B and the yeah. maid, and that's based on something that really happened to me in a B and B in Portugal. Uh, really, we my yeah, we went to like this wine town that's like really famous for wine uh, to drink wine, obviously. Um, but we <laughs> stayed in this like sort of old fashioned bed and breakfast that had been there. It was like an old horse, um, uh, what's the word, like a gatehouse kind of thing, yeah. um, where they like used to keep horses back in the day. It's been turned into a bed and breakfast. Very nice. Um, and the lady who ran it was like this really sort of like overtly posh like sort of strange woman and um, very aloof. And the maid was like, yeah, like a million years old. She was like a relic. um And uh, she kind <laughs> of spoke to us at breakfast. She was like, you know, do you want to see your coffee? And we were like, yeah, coffee, blah, blah, blah. And then we said like um that we were the only guests staying that night. So we said like, oh, if you want to stop and chat, you can stop and chat. And she's like, uh, she's like, no, no, the uh, the lady of the house wouldn't like it. And then she kind of looked at this picture, which was like the old lady when she was younger, the uh, the, the, the owner. And this guy, and she was like, it was different when the master was still alive. And she's like, well, I must be off. And then she like
0: ran away. And we were like, what the, the hell re- yeah. was that? Like like reading it, I, I got I, the way my mind works, I was thinking this would be an awesome episode of Black Mirror or something like that. Just, I don't know if you watch Black Mirror or Netflix. Oh yes. It'd I be an it. awesome episode of something if, if they were making it, you know, that one of the episodes for Black Mirror, because I was just picturing how it would play out and just making the, the maid just so weird and, and th- that connection. So you got to go ahead and Did you have any it.
3: more interactions with her at all after that? Um, I mean, literally every interaction followed very much the same pattern. Um, and what was really weird, actually, was the day uh, we were going to leave the B&B, uh, we woke up on the last day, and I, like, felt really unwell. Um, and it was really strange. It wasn't wasn't from the wine, guys. wasn't from the wine. <laughs> um, I was just, like, feeling, like, sort of, like, couldn't really breathe. And, uh, like, I got this really pounding headache. And as soon as I went outside, I felt fine. So I felt like kind of almost attacked by the building. It was just That's so weird. Yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Really, really uncomfortable. What's nice. the, What story is this again? This is called uh, Curfew. So it's a, curfew. it's a short, sharp shock. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Is there um any like different, uh, I guess, qualifications isn't really the right word, but like when you write those, or like, do they have to be a certain page limit or word count? Or does it I mean, not this really matter real as long as it's a short story?
3: Actually. Yeah, I think it can be I mean like for example, ross Jeffrey did one recently which was uh, Milk Kisses and some yeah. other stories and like basically that was like stories. three sort of short shorts mm-hmm. and then like I did two novelettes so like um Curfew's about like 30 something pages so it's a really short novelette actually and cinders mm-hmm. is about like 55 pages so yeah Okay.
0: Yeah. So what what's the uh, wording considered then? Warding's a novelette as well. It's about 12,000 okay. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was just a alone. you did. I wasn't for short, short Shock or anything.
3: That was... No, that was originally published in a uh, an anthology in 2000, uh, 2017, okay. um, which uh, Steve Dillon's Things in the Well put out. And it was in the same anthology as a story by Clive Barker and a story by Ramsey Campbell. And I was like crying the happy tears That's when cool. that got accepted. Nice. I was just like, oh
1: my god, this is
0: amazing.
2: <laughs>
3: They're all national national still.
0: Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Um, I want to bring this up just to make uh, Brad uncomfortable, but okay. you have a little bit of a musical background, correct?
3: Right. Oh, well, you've got. You got to. See you later. From, uh, the, the screaming metal.
0: Yeah, you were some uh, some some metal bands or, or yeah. wasn't yeah. a band or something. Well, I, I, I figured That's I figured it because uh, every now and then I'll see like a music reference in some of the short stories. I know there's a Metallica reference in a short story. Uh, so, how'd you go from uh, screaming metal to uh, writing? Um, I mean, writing books, I should just say. I mean, of course, if you're in a band, you might be writing music or lyrics or whatever the case may be. But, well, yeah, I was always writing
3: lyrics. I mean, I wrote okay. about 80% of the lyrics in my first band and probably about 90% of the lyrics in my second band. Um, and so, and I tended to write like lyrics with kind of a narrative focus anyway. So, like, and some of it was again like folkloric. So, like, there was a story, um, sorry, a song we had um, in my first band, which is called From the Chaos. And it was about like a guy. Uh, on a battlefield who, like, takes on, like, sort of a, uh, like, a spiritual, like, thing, lets a spiritual thing into him to, like, uh, right. kill all the people on the battlefield on the enemy. But then he obviously realizes that his soul is forfeit and, <laughs> like, this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was all, it was very much similar kind of thematic concerns. I you guess. can to turn like, that into a story. That sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about that the other day, actually. I was thinking, maybe I
0: could do something. So any kind of recordings of, of these performances floating around that we can somehow get... Um,
3: I mean, there is like, uh, there's a band, the first band I was in, it's called Desolation. And we actually had a single we put out called Blind Sight, which is a one word. And that you can actually find on YouTube. Uh, the oh, guitarist okay. is like an absolute wizard. Um, and you can also find uh, a video, which is uh, really quite hilarious, of my second band um, at this uh, an event called Dungeon Fest. Okay. Um, and we're called Ruins of Amber. And the song is called Red Sky. And back then I had like long curly hair down to about here ish. Um, <laughs> That's what I was like, trying to yeah. get at.
0: Really, I was, try- I was trying to see if you had the look for the for these, oh, yeah, these yeah, metal yeah. bands. Yeah,
3: just that when you have curly hair, when it starts to go grey, it becomes even more unwieldy. And like, I literally <laughs> would need double doors to enter anywhere if I had long hair now.
2: So, did you play guitar as well, or did you just do the vocals?
3: I have no musical talents, so just <laughs> lots of terrifying noises. Uh, which, <laughs> like, if you ever met my mother, you'd understand how I learned that I could make those terrifying noises. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Uh, Brad, you wanna you wanna have him do a reading, or you wanna play a game? What what you wanna do?
2: What are you gonna do, Kev? You want to do a game first? Or you want to do a reading?
0: We'll um, oh my pick. god! Oh
3: my god! Oh my god! Let's
0: do let's do the game first. Let's do the oh, game first. Am I going <laughs> against them like I did Ross on this? Or yeah. You? Okay. We'll go against.
2: Hopefully, these are ones that actually make sense for both of y'all. So we're gonna do the same game we played with Ross. <laughs> very I'm good, gonna... very <laughs> good. I've, I've <laughs> watched funny. the Ross
3: ones. The I'm hoping bag. to at least uh, <laughs> try and have a as a good a performance.
2: So we Ross has got that sound bite now floating around the, <laughs> the internet. poop bag that he's I'm never kidding. gonna live down. There's some more winning off
0: every every promo I'm gonna make sure to fit that in there somehow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so we're gonna play a game called What's it called? Brilliant. What's it called?
0: That's just
1: <laughs> it's,
2: it's so bad it's good as whether that is That's why why so I'm bad it's it. good. I'm all about this.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's
2: share my screen here. We'll get these pictures pulled up. So I'm going to show, I think I've got 11 pictures. Mm. And Kev, you're going to tell us what these items would be called in America. And Jay is going to try to guess what they'd be called in the UK. Oh, Christ on a bike.
0: <laughs> and this, this is really going to be good for the, the podcast platforms because people can't see the, the pictures. Yeah, see. <laughs> so they're just going to be
2: completely confused and have no idea yeah. what's going on. <laughs> so let's get these pictures pulled up here. So like American names. Okay. See, share. And there we go. All right. Can you all see that? Yes. yes.
0: All right. So,
2: what would this, the thing this little baby has in his mouth, what is that called in America? I think I know this one. I think it's called a pacifier. That's correct. Jay, what's that called in the UK? A
0: poop back. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a, I don't know, a binky?
2: Oh my God! No, that's like a blanket, Jay. Come on, man. Oh. Uh, it's um, come on, Jay. And I don't know if what I wrote down is actually what it's called or not. Just what they said. What
3: should we? Should I give him the first letter? I'll give him the first letter. It's D. Letter. The first letter okay.
2: is D. I did write it D. down right then. D is in dog. It's not called a dog though. No,
0: like... I, I.
2: You got ten seconds, Jay.
0: Yeah, might As well, just stop the clock now because I don't know. <laughs>
2: It's called a dummy, correct? Is that exactly correct. Dummy? Yes. It's called a dummy. dummy. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, baby, take the
3: dummy. <laughs> yeah. Put the dummy in the baby's mouth. So Sounds disturbing. Far. In yeah.
0: <laughs> okay.
3: No idea.
2: <laughs> All
3: right. So next one.
0: Here's your big Non-state. dummy.
3: <laughs> so what is this person eating here? Ah, uh, yeah, I know this one. This one is uh, cotton candy. Correct. How does it
0: have a different name in the UK? <laughs> it's,
3: it's it's it, it really it's, does. This candy blows was mind, I, all time. I,
0: Yeah. Uh sugar on a stick.
3: Sugar uh, on a stick. It's not a bad <laughs> guess. Not a bad guess.
2: It's called what's it called, uh, Kev? It's called candy floss. Candy floss.
0: Floss. Yeah, so you're mm-hmm. gonna floss your teeth with, with sugar. With the candy. Basically. I don't
3: understand that at all. So <laughs> I I think it's because floss is the old word for the stuff you get off the sheep, isn't it? Like the stuff, you know, like when you oh. shear the sheep. Get it, them all of them. That's called floss, I think. Yeah.
0: I was thinking floss is for
3: that as well for your teeth. Okay. Oh bloody hell! So um, what
2: is the, the what is this person pumping into their car?
3: Uh, okay. Um, is it? Uh, I think it's gasoline. Gasoline, Jay. You should get this one. This is easy.
0: Uh, petroleum, right?
2: Okay, Cl- close. Close, close, close enough. enough. Because BP close enough.
0: is British p- petroleum, right? <laughs> it's petrol. That's very true. It's petrol yeah. Petrol. Come on. I get a half a point or something. Half a point. We'll give you half oh, a point. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Are we keeping a score?
2: <laughs> Kev's already won, so it doesn't matter. So what yeah. is this
3: called in America?
0: Oh, bloody hell.
3: Um, uh, uh, I've got absolutely no idea at all. Um, uh, Jay, do you even know what it's called, Jay? Maybe a board tack? Board tack.
0: Let's go with that. Oh, is sh- that what it cut got tack. tack part. I mean, it's a thumbtack thumb over here or a pin, right? Push
2: pin or thumbtack. Yeah. So, what do you all call it, Kev? Or Jay, You guess? You know what it's called over call there? Jay,
0: call Jay. Um, <laughs> no, but in grade school, we used to when someone got up from their seat, we would put, put one in their of those chair. on their <laughs> chair. They, <laughs> I mean, they would fly. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my daughters are not look, uh, watching this. So. She's, She's watching. Bad influence. Like, She's not going to do that at school um, yeah. on Monday. I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss.
3: We called, it, I think it's the drawing pin, isn't it? Drawing pin, drawing pins, what I wrote drawing down. Yeah. Pin, yes, yes,
2: <laughs> it's weird. <that laughs> I, I, some, don't like, it. I don't get mundane things, mundane things are so different.
3: Yeah, it's really bizarre.
2: All right, so what's this game called over here? Uh,
3: this is called Tic Tac Toe. That's right, it's not called
2: Tic Tac Toe over there, Jay.
0: <laughs> Why not? <laughs>
2: Because it's not. I don't know. Because we're weird. Because America does everything else different. We're the only ones that use three you know, in inches a row. and feet instead
0: there's of there's three like in a row. Think about the
2: symbols. You're never going to get this one, Jay.
0: X, X's and O's. Um,
2: what would X's and O's be called
3: over there? <laughs> what? exactly that's that's the mystery here (laughs) hugs and kisses (laughs) i don't know what's it called kev it's called noughts and crosses do you know interestingly what this is called uh, noughts and crosses like noughts as in zero and then crosses like for the x but do you know in portuguese they call this uh jogo de Galo, which means direct translation Game of cock, um, <laughs> but like, uh, but cockerel, cockerel, like the bird, but still game okay. of cock. I just love this. Like when my students sometimes say, teacher, can we play game of cock? I'm like, guys, it's not that type of class. Wow. How does, get out. Listen, of how does,
2: how do they even get that name even from the bird? Like, how does that make sense for the game?
3: I think that in like sort of the Portuguese consciousness, they imagine that like when chickens are <laughs> bored, they're sort of like scratching around in a pen. They're like, let's, let's have a little game of this, shall we? Come on, just to pass
0: the time. <laughs>
2: Just picking and scratching? Okay. Very strange. That's,
0: Imagine that's, me that's... and a kid going home and saying, we learned how to play this game today and saying it to your <laughs> parents. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>
2: All right, what are these called in America? Uh, um, Mailboxes, I think. Yeah. Sure. The, the UK players are so much better at this game, Jay, than you are.
3: Okay, I know.
2: It shows how self-centered Americans are.
3: Post, <laughs> I think it's because we have so much... Um, uh, so much media from the states, you know. I think that really helps us a lot.
0: Yeah. We could probably do this state to state too. <laughs> probably, maybe yeah. so. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Especially uh, like north, of, at least north and south. Right. Yeah. Uh
0: Postal boxes. Is right? Post box. Post yeah. box. Nice okay. job. Post well box. done. You got it. Yeah. Good. You so so take your, one and a half points your, now.
2: Take your package to the post.
0: Only because you is... said that earlier. That, that's why. <laughs>
2: I don't know how well it'll show up for you all. What is this using woman? What apparatus is she
3: doing? Oh Christ. Um uh, I know what it is in English, British English, but I've got not a clue uh, what it is in um, No, I've, I've really I haven't got any idea at all. Jay, what what's she doing there? She's
0: jumping rope, right? Jumping rope. Ah. Okay. Okay.
2: What Bye. what is that called over there?
0: Skipping rope. Very good. Wow. Skipping wow. it. He's got it. it. Is. Got it. Yeah. He oh, just took a, a, that
2: was a wild guess. <laughs> well done.
0: Good job, Jay. I'm kind of proud of myself.
2: All right, the, the part of the car that's lifted up, what is that called in America?
3: Yes. Um, oh, Christ, I do know this. Um, hood. The hood. Yes. Yes,
2: I remember it. So you got this right last time. You, it was the boot for the trunk. What's this? What's the front part called?
0: Well, I didn't get it right last time. I, I said boot for the trunk. I didn't, we didn't have the front
2: yeah you got for ross's game you got it right because we did trunk and boot and you got the boot right so what is it what is the front of the car called
0: i don't know the front because we did the
3: back it's, it's <laughs> mentioned it's mentioned in below it's mentioned in below because at one point the editor went what the hell is this and i was like <laughs> it's this mr Editor man and he went all right fair enough oh, it's, it's
2: similar to a boot it starts with the same letter mm. it's another piece of clothing indeed uh belt Um uh, <laughs> You wear it on your head. Hat? Starts with a B. J. A BJ. <laughs> <laughs> a woman would wear it in like the 1700s. Yes. Oh, well done, that man. Yes,
3: well done. Very good, very good. <laughs> you, you
2: phoned a friend and used your, uh, your uh, lifeline. We actually have one. a phrase
3: hey, in English. Hey, like uh, FYI. Is. I
0: mean, Ross and Lewis Stevenson are both in the chat. Well,
3: now he tells me. Is he cheating?
0: Now he tells me. Like where was you and all the other? Where were you and all the other uh, ones, Lewis? Not
3: the me? lid of the car. I love that one. That's great. Um, but you know, like uh, we have a phrase in English, which is "on it like a car bonnet." Which is, uh, but oh. I think, that's what the cool kids say. So I can't say it. That what not the cool, cool kids say? The cool kids. What is that? Like what is fire. that on the back of the?
2: Yeah. <laughs> What's this <laughs> on the back of the car with the numbers and letters?
3: Ah, um, license plate.
0: License plate. Yes.
2: J- how's you you probably it? get this
1: one.
0: How's it not that? <laughs> it's, it's not that. <laughs> Um uh, number Water, plate numbers and yeah, letters Is it number oh, is it number plate? Oh, number yeah, plate. good, good.
3: Even though it's numbers and letters, very strange.
0: Take that Ross Lewis in the chat. I don't need <laughs> you. <to know. laughs> all
2: right, what are And I I'm not sure about this one. What is the device that they're cooking those hot
3: dogs on? What's that oh, called? Christ. Um in American English, I don't have a clue. Um, Do you all
2: call them hot dogs as well?
3: Oh, the 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 meat or the device? The device. The device, oh Christ. No, the device, I'm I'm lost, I'm afraid.
2: What were they doing there,
3: Jay?
0: Well, that's a grill. It's a barbecue. A grill. It. Yeah, so hot dogs.
2: <laughs> so what, what, what's a grill called in the UK? A
0: cooker, <laughs> a fryer. In America, we also have
2: it in our oven.
0: A poop bag, a broiler. Oh. Right? A broiler
2: I think so. I think you already said it.
0: Called? I think you've already said it.
2: Is it a boiler? No, no. what y'all call boiler. it? Well now I'm confused because I boiler. Is it a barbecue? oh
3: we call it barbecue, exactly. Yeah. Barbecue. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Hello, <laughs> help on that.
2: But. I think that was I think that was our last one. Yeah, that was our last
0: one.
3: So <laughs> wow. Kevin Kevin obviously won. Kev you know, won. I, I made I a good marginal there. marginal victory. I think yeah, it was I had a good comeback. Clueless. Okay. Yeah, exactly.
0: yeah. We really need like a, some kind of Music at the end, like whoa. Well, well, I, I think we lost half the chat. They're like, you just need a big red X every
2: time you get one wrong." No, we got like 37 comments now because people think that's
3: funny. I don't know why. <laughs> Burning wieners I like that. That's really good. There's a name for a splatterpunk novella if ever there was one. George Foreman, a George Foreman girl.
2: The George Foreman girl. Do you all have George Foreman girls over there, okay we,
3: we did. We did used to have them. I don't think we have them anymore because like everyone's forgotten who he
0: is. Like uh, now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, he's he's made us billions. He's Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for playing that goofy little game with us, Kev. Thank those you for the games, game. That was guys. bloody
3: brilliant. Yeah, it's excellent.
2: Jay will win one of these games one day. He cheated to win last week. I
0: did. Well, hey, <laughs> I beat Leah Linderman.
2: Because you had all the answers.
0: <laughs> you weren't supposed to tell. <laughs> <I mean.
2: laughs> that makes it even funnier, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, do you want to go fun. ahead and uh, do your reading, Kev? Yeah,
0: let's do a reading on
3: here. Okay, hey, so we'll, I'm going to do a little reading from below. This is the chapter four, it's a short one um and um basically what's happened is uh they've gone into the mine for the first time uh they found some stuff and then they've gone back to their trailers for the night and uh during the night Mm. there is well, you'll see something happens so uh here we go i apologize if i bugger this up i have practiced several times but you know just uh yeah Deeply unprofessional.
0: The, okay. The, no no pressure, trust me. I mean <laughs> okay. you're
3: on the, the most professional podcast,
2: so you have to be very professional. As professional as possible. We can edit this yeah. later, right? Um <laughs> It's live now, but we'll edit it later.
0: <laughs> we're, we're gonna edit what we what we'll do is just like black out your eyes so nobody knows it's really you doing it. Okay. We'll just That's mute fine. you and then
2: dub over it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
3: there we go. Put some like <laughs> weird monster voice, that'd be great. <laughs> um okay, so chapter four. Uh Nick's eyes flicked open, the frame of the trailer rattling. He could hear the low, persistent rumbling of the earth beneath him, accompanied by the high pitch of crockery shaking in cupboards in the kitchenette. Outside, it was still pitch dark, the only light inside, the tiny blue pinprick of light from a notification on his phone. He reached out for it, swiping it to life, 3.37am. He flicked away the notifications and turned on the torch, illuminating the confined space. Reaching for his clothes, he dressed quickly. As he stepped down from the trailer, two moths darted towards him, dancing in the beam from his phone. Still, the ground shook. He stared at the visible trembling of the huge trailer before his eyes darted up the hillside to the mine. What if the entrance has collapsed again? He scrambled up the hillside, the beam from his flashlight app flicking one way, then the other. As he reached the top, he shone it over to the entrance and felt relief as the portal stood open, a great mouth of all-consuming darkness. The earthquake ended and the world was momentarily silent rocks shifted under moving soil below he spun torchlight scanning the hillside until it found the slender shape of jess following in his footsteps is the entrance okay she called out one hand held up protecting her from the light it's fine the hydraulics held nick shouted back jess lowered her body to the ground using her hands for balance as she made her way up the last few yards then reached out a hand nick pulled her to the top where she stood regaining her breath didn't you bring a light Jess shrugged. I felt the ground rumbling and panicked. I just bolted up here. My night vision isn't too bad anyway. She walked past Nick and on towards the main entrance. Bring the lights over, would you? She said, beckoning. Nick followed, trying not to dazzle her. He shone the beam over the surface of the rock surrounding the entrance. Everything was still. No additional rubble adorned the entryway. The dull steel of the first hydraulic supports reflected the torchlight dimly back at them. That's a relief, Jess said. Stepping backwards. When I woke up, I thought a clanging sound peeled from the entrance, metal against metal. Distant, ever fainter echoes following the sound to their ears. Their eyes met. What the fuck? Jess's expression twisted into one of fear. Did that come from inside? Nick took a step into the mine. It sounded like it. He swept the cone of light in an arc from left to right. Nothing moved. It could have been debris, deeper in the clang, clang, clang. More sounds, similar to the first, but this time the two were distinct, their echoes trailing behind. Like knockers, Nick said under his breath. He felt the presence of Jess close behind him. What did you say? She whispered. Knockers, he said again. Jess grasped his wrist wrist firmly, directing the torchlight onto her face and casting shadows which highlighted her look of fear and annoyance. Care to enlighten me? He tugged back the torch. In Wales and some parts of the West Country, miners believe there are mythical creatures, knockers, who cause mischief in the mines. They're detectable by, well, by knocking, like what we just heard. Jess's hard expression remained. It's stupid folklore, Jess. From a scientific perspective, it's much more likely to be temperature or pressure differences causing metal, rock, or whatever to expand and contract. Relax. Clang, 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 a single noise followed by three more, in quick succession. Jess stared into Nick's eyes metal expanding she raised an eyebrow as if waiting for him to react another sound high-pitched throaty impossible to discern whether animal or human nick swallowed his throat dry then glanced back over his shoulder let's just go back to the trailers call it a night yeah nick angled the torch out over the steep hillside then led the way down to the base
2: so there you go bravo I never would have gone in that mine ever again after that.
3: This is uh, what lots of people said to me, like,
0: off yeah. this stage, like, "Why just pack up and go home, people. Like, yeah.
2: I'm out after that. Peace out, guys. Y'all can keep your exactly. TV show, and I don't care anymore. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: I remember watching, I, I, I it's been it's been a while. Um, it was just a weird show and, like, a documentary about mines, and they brought up knockers. Mm. Mm-hmm. So what I was reading, I was reminiscing. I was like, I know about this. <laughs> I felt a little educated.
3: It's really interesting, actually, because like uh, Ross was uh, was researching something for one of his other books and he actually like started talking about knockers. And I was like, would you imagine that that's actually in (laughs) my forthcoming novella
2: or is it?
0: Lewis
2: said he was reading
3: along with you. That's funny.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Oh, he get, yeah, he got it. And you
3: should do audio books. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually thinking about doing that. Um, four paths, and like, if uh, Silver Shamrock decide not to do this one as audio, because like Silver Shamrock only do some of their books as audio. They like they keep the rights for like 18 months, I think. So that like, is an mm-hmm. option. And then if they don't do it, they uh they hand it over to you. And I'm thinking because it's so expensive to do, I might just rent a studio in Lisbon and uh and do them myself. Because why not? It sounds like That's... fun. Go for it. You get a great yeah. reading voice for it. Face for radio as well which is, is good. <laughs> that's
2: why Jay was in radio for so long
0: <laughs> yeah that's why I fit in perfectly yeah who, uh, who who reads your 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 stuff first who do you who do you run your stuff by um I often get the misses to give it a, a look. Um, like she read
3: the uh, version of the um, new novel and like that was such an early version. And so she must have like infinite patience. Um, it was such an early version that one of the chapters, like there's a bit in the middle where it says like, here's some bad weather stuff happens, which I haven't bothered to write yet. And she still like <laughs> tolerates it. Um, but then I have um, this guy called Dan Howarth, who actually um, his press um, is the one that put out uh, Parts of Best Left on Trodden. So this uh, Northern Republic here, this belongs mm-hmm. to a guy called Dan Howarth. The other book from that press is um his collection which is called dark missives it's bloody fantastic and like if you want the horrible stuff Jay, like the stuff that makes you go oh he's not gonna go there oh he went
0: there <laughs> hell
3: that he's your man. I have um, limits
0: too I would just say it suggesting for yours too okay, I think he ahead.
3: will be testing those limits like I would say. Uh, but anyway uh, so he's like a really good beta reader and he's the kind of beta reader that's very much no bullshit so like he'll say to me like this is really great and he will say this no. Like you need to rewrite this. It doesn't work. And I, I really appreciate that. It's really important. Yeah.
2: Beta readers that actually give you your honest feedback and not are just yes men. Because yeah, yes men absolutely. don't help you at all. Right. So I think Chad Lutzky and stuff have talked about that before. Like if they just say yes, this is amazing, that doesn't help you out whatsoever. Absolutely.
3: Like, I need to know what the weaknesses are. Yeah, that's really important. But that's interestingly, the- with um, with below, like there was uh, I had two beta readers. It was a guy called David Watkins as well as the other beta reader who did a brilliant job too. Uh and there was a bit of um contention between them about whether like the thing that jay wanted to happen should happen or not happen and uh i just kind of was like oh i
0: don't know i don't know (laughs) you're Uh, so you're on a fence you're like wondering exactly exactly (laughs) so (laughs) do
2: you use do you use the same group of beta readers often or do you get different people for different pieces of work
3: I mean, Dan and I like talk a lot. Like, so we tend to beta read pretty much everything for each other, which is really good because I've got like a sort of a constant sort of like uh, anchor that I know is going to be, that knows what I'm about and knows what my stuff is about. But then I also use a few others as well. Um, another guy called Grant Longstaff who um, is going to, have something really brilliant out next year actually um which is like got an old man like a 85 year old man as the protagonist it's a horror book it's going to be so great it's from one of the short sharp shocks next year but i can't tell you more than that because it's illegal Um, it's a secret it's a secret exactly (laughs) i'll have to like cut my own tongue out or something um uh but yeah he, he's really good and uh and a few other people like i know uh, stephanie ellis who did um the five turns the wheel she's offered to beta read my novel when it's done so i will definitely be taking nice. up on that to get a bit of i read fashion. her
2: uh, silver shamrock book bottled was really cool oh that was really good yeah absolutely so was very that's, very does original your wife, does your yeah, wife totally. ever
0: like read it and just kind of scoot it back to you and, you know <laughs> and and avoids eye contact with you for a while there was one story,
3: I can't remember what story it was. Uh, and something really bad happens at the end. There's a really horrible ending. And she was like, I, I just, why?
0: Like, I don't even know
3: you anymore, kid. Yeah, exactly. Why? <laughs> Sleeping did you on the couch tonight. You... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wait, wait.
0: Was it the uh, internet questionable? Uh, no, no. She didn't have any problems with that one. Clear, clear um, your uh, browser history one? No,
3: not that one. Uh, I think it was like one where something bad happens to like a kid or something. Maybe. I think it was Snap. Yeah, I think it was Snap.
0: Oh, that, I don't think that was too bad. Yeah. Well, the ending, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, the end, exactly. That was a bit that made it go. I mean, it was, it was, yeah.
0: a, it was, it was a, a twist on the monster under your bed, except it wasn't under the bed. It was exactly somewhere else,
3: just inside furniture. It was like an IKEA yeah. monster.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <An> IKEA monster. <laughs> you never well, know. Speaking of
2: furniture, they're all transformative anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> you can totally see it transforming into a exactly. monster. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: What well, we, was it Curtis Lawson? We said that his wife, like, doesn't read horror at all. She just hates all that stuff. I think it was him. Was it
0: Curtis? Uh, maybe. She like
2: he she read like the first few pages to Blackheart's Blackheart's Boy Choir. She's like, I hate this. I'm not going to read the rest of it.
0: (laughs) Oh my (laughs) god!
3: I I guess he knows he's on the right track at that point. Yeah. 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 So,
2: are your family and friends pretty supportive of all your work? Then,
3: yeah. Actually, some of my friends have been really amazing, like uh, buying like paperbacks of my stuff. Like when I when I came over to UK actually this year to uh, to work, went up to Birmingham where I used to live in the UK, which is like in the middle of the country. It's where it's like the birthplace of. Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne and like all these kinds of like metal because it's like really grim, dark, industrial sort of like uh, place uh, where they all live and like loads of them were like, "Can you sign my books now?" And I was like, "Oh, so nice." <laughs> <laughs> that's probably cool. taking a tour there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a really good place to visit. Like lots of good like sort of craft beer places, um lots of international food because very much a melting pot. Like lots of Caribbean people and Asians and stuff. Yeah, it's really good, really good place.
0: So aside from aside from the uh, ones you can't really talk about, how many other pieces <laughs> of uh, work do you have floating around right now? That's a process. Um, aside from the short, sharp, shocked, and you can't, in and, and the novel.
3: Yeah, I've got like um, uh, two uh, short stories coming out in September. Um, okay. And one of them is in an anthology. There was a book that came out uh, about two years ago called A Quiet Apocalypse. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. It's by a guy called Dave Jeffrey basically it's like one? a dystopian future okay. like a sort of an apocalypse that happens um and it's like a pandemic so like fun times right now <laughs> um but the pandemic is a type of meningitis which basically kills percent of the world's population and leaves about 99 of the ones that are alive death um okay. and so like uh everything happens in silence which is like really weird and there's like a very small number of people who can hear and they're kind of like a like a very prized commodity so much so that people enslave them to like sort of protect them from from threats and things because they can hear stuff which is really messed up um and he's written these three novel no, novellas in that universe and i think they're all absolutely brilliant like bleak as fuck. like um <laughs> the kind of thing where you like go like you just read the whole thing like waiting for him to like grab your heart and like then twist it around a little bit before he wrenches it out and feeds it to you <laughs> uh, while you're still alive um and there was uh, a guy put together an anthology of stories in that universe. So I've written a story in that universe, which I'm really, really happy with. That's nice. coming out in September. It's um, a very cool concept. I like that. It's, it's like, a, like the I'm reverse so of the Quiet Place movies, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And It's from Domain Publishing. Uh, it's really cheap to pick up on Kindle. Like it's about two quid or something. So like, what's really, it called again? It's called A Quiet Apocalypse. And uh, yes, yeah, I so recommend it. It's like um, it's all heart. It's like it just it's just so upsetting, um, but really, really well written. Really brilliant um all three books i recommend and yes that's in that universe and i've also got um a story about a berserker in the where tales anthology that's coming out in september from um, brigid's gate press so i'm really excited about that and there's some absolutely awesome authors in that but after that i've got oh no i've also got a story in the hex experiments um which is a charity anthology i believe that um ross uh jeffrey is editing with keith anthony baird um and it's about like um it's it's a crossover of Biotechnology and um, witchcraft, or like occultism, um, nice. and mine's set in um, a place called Okanevo, which is like a sort of a weird spiritualist place in uh, Siberia, yeah. um, and involves my pro- most in unpleasant protagonist ever. <laughs>
0: nice. Speaking of uh, Ross, when are we going to get that um, collaboration between you, Ross, and TC? You guys always talk about in your, uh, oh my god, oh, in god. your live shows. I love you guys. It.
3: I would love it. <laughs> this year has been like the most trying time for writing for me, like of my writing life so far. Even though I've only been writing for, seriously for about four years, um, mm-hmm. just like pandemic stuff with education has not mm-hmm. gone well. Um, but I'm hoping that from September, like life is gonna, like sort of get more onto an even keel, and I'll be able to do much more.
2: Awesome. With Ross's brutality and then UNTC's like folklore and mythology mixed together, that'd be awesome.
3: And like also T C Parker's like way to like describe dead bodies in a way that's like so disgusting and so beautiful <laughs> at the same time, you're just like, I don't know how to feel about this. It's like okay. a it's
0: like a, a brutal, vicious folklore. <laughs> yes, new, <Yeah>. a new <laughs> genre. Go for it. I mean the Ross dead actually did
3: like Ross did pitch me an idea for a folkloric uh novel. Um and like if we can make it happen, I think people will go crazy for it because i i mean the idea when he said to me like i I immediately had like three or four ideas that came off and i was like and we could do this and he was like yes and then we were like oh my god one day one day
0: that's awesome make it totally over the top throw everything at it i mean (laughs) the book would be this fat okay it just just keep throwing stuff at it like a thousand pages of madness (laughs) yeah (laughs) Stephen king ain't got nothing on you guys (laughs) (laughs) like weird turns (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> take weird turns here weird turns there just throw it in there See yeah. if so
2: <laughs> have you ever co-written anything with anybody
3: uh i haven't yet no um and actually a friend of mine was uh came up with an idea another idea for co-writing a novel um about two years ago and uh i was really on board uh, i kind of mapped out some chapters and then he um uh he, he his wife had a baby and then he said like time out kev i've got nappies to change so uh yeah not so poop bags jay they're nappy nappies. <laughs> exactly
0: and the, and the funny thing is i would have already forgotten if you were to show that one again i would have forgotten <laughs> <laughs> so they yeah that's a baby that's
2: one of those they had one of those things right one of those,
0: like a baby
3: <laughs> like Crap. a baby yeah like a baby
2: <laughs> so like is what ross and tc is that sort of your your dream team if you were to do a co-authored piece together
3: Oh my god i mean they're people that like their stuff comes out and i'm like yeah, his dream
0: team brad is Stephen king and clive barker but oh i'm sorry he's gonna settle for ross and tc settle for ross and tc
3: <laughs> <laughs> i think i've actually sold like uh about five copies of um salt Blood it's up in the uk like uh a lot really? of, like pushing it like a drug i like meet people like my friends i haven't seen for a while and they're like what are you reading lately and i'm like there's this book, right? that You really <laughs> should read. And they're like, "I'm going to buy that now." And I'm like, "You open your trench coat really slow, excellent. and it's in the pocket. You pull it out. <laughs> exactly. Put on my sunglasses, even though it's not even nearly sunny. <laughs> it's all gloomy and overcast. You put them on That's anyway. It. Yeah,
0: just look suspicious. When when you're in a when in the, the writing mode and you're writing the story, you're, you know, like it, it could have been below when you're writing below or your mm-hmm. uh, uh, short story collection, or whatever how's the headspace are you totally 100 percent in that headspace to write that book or are you able to get away from it every now and then take a break from it or if someone's talking to you while you're doing it shut up i'm doing something no <laughs>
3: I mean, I try to stay focused when I'm when I'm working, and I think actually one reason uh, that's that's one reason that I go quite often to cafes, like when when such things are possible, I uh, go to a cafe with a laptop, and it's really weird because like even cafes that have the internet connected, because obviously I need the internet yeah. to get my documents from OneDrive or whatever I'm using, um, I still just feel like when I'm in a cafe, I feel more obliged, I suppose, to like write because I'm like, look, I'm here for an hour and a half, and this hour and a half is absolutely about writing and nothing else, and I'll just pound out like a thousand words 1500 words like quite comfortably whereas at home i can much more easily get distracted by stuff yeah um so so yeah um and but also like when i'm writing longer form stuff because i started off writing shorts much more um i often need to take a break like this novel i wrote um i actually wrote the two uh the first draft of the two stories i mentioned like the one in the uh, quite apocalypse universe which is called the courier and the one Uh, in the Tales book about the berserk i wrote both of those during the time that i was drafting the novel because i needed to take a break away from it just to get Mm -hmm. to come back fresh because otherwise you Mm -hmm. i just find that i'm like wading through this mire of like i'm so tired of this story
2: so do you do you sort of pants everything or do you plot everything out like have an idea of where everything's going or you sort of make it up as you go along do you talk about getting sort of bogged down in the middle do you Mm -hmm. sort of know where you're going with it or just kind of making it up as you go
3: the balance was pantsed completely. Um, uh, I had like ideas that came along that I was like, you know, sort of, sort of scribble some notes for later. Um, but generally nowadays, I tend to like write milestones. So like, I'll have like five, six milestones I want to hit, and then the way that I get from one place to another uh, is kind of up to the process as it happens. So like, if characters do something that I wasn't expecting, which I know sounds like mental,
2: um, then that just—that's like Stephen hand. King talks about all the time. Like he doesn't—he's yeah. just writing it down. He's just yeah, telling the story. He's not actually making it up.
3: Totally like the novel um, that I've got that I've got to, I've got to do the second draft on and like f- sort of get ready for beta readers in, in September like there was a point in that where like I was having the two characters were having a conversation and one of them said something and I was like That didn't happen. Now I have to go back and make that happen. You bastard. And it was really <laughs> like that. It was really like that
0: it, it, It's so, funny to hear that because it, you know people's endings change on a dime and like Stephen king said it before too he's like i, I don't have an ending when i start and then you have some that they write the ending first and work backwards so it's yeah just, i find it's that just,
3: such an interesting concept yeah, yeah it's I just love amazing to
0: see two different worlds do that mm. so and i like i like how you, you, you were just talking about going to the cafe and writing because i would see stuff like that in tv shows and, and movies out la and hollywood the people or are there writing scripts, movie scripts? You know, that's why they move out to Hollywood to try to Mm. make it bigger movies. I didn't know they really did it. But hearing you're doing it as far as books and novels, now we know that people really must do that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I know quite a few people actually that find that they can focus much more like wholly, like have the whole focus, like 100% focus when they're in a place where like they just kind of go, this is my spot that I have to write in. So yeah, very interesting.
0: I I just picture like 10 other people on their laptops making no (laughs) eye contact, no conversation you know that the waiter's coming over refilling the coffee I
3: do buy coffee though sometimes I go into these places I see people come in put their laptop down and start working and then they come along and they're like not buying anything yeah and I'm like mate come on at least get a pastry like what's wrong with you right
2: they're there for the free Wi Fi is while they're there.
3: Exactly. Terrible terrible behavior.
2: So do you try to write every day or hit a certain workout every day or just you get done what you can get done?
3: Get done what i can get done and i actually like, in the past i have kind of beaten myself up about this a little bit because i also find like exercise is really important to me like mental health wise and mm-hmm. like there are some days where i only have time to do one or the other and if it's a day when i need to run because like my like energy levels or my brain's getting a bit kind of out of sync then uh, i just have to kind of go like Look, you can't ride today you've got to go for a run because mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to be like out of your tree tomorrow so yeah it's kind of necessary so- sometimes <laughs>
2: So we we're talking about: Have you ever started at the end and worked your way backwards, or have you always just made your way through and then got to the ending?
3: Um, with *The Balance*, I think when I was about a quarter of the way through, I just saw the ending, the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone hasn't read it and it's watching, I won't mention what the twist is. But I had the twist, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going to write that now." So I wrote that part um, when I'd done about 25% of the novel, and then went back and the novella story, and then went back and wrote the rest.
2: And like uh, Andrea says, and this happens a lot. A lot of people think Stephen King's endings aren't great. It's more about the journey getting there, and then if the ending's yeah, so not great, it really it's about yeah. getting there.
0: Yeah, I enjoy the journeys. Yeah, I mean, that's what I usually pick apart the most.
2: Because if the journey's not good, you're not going to get to the ending anyway. Most that's likely, the thing. Right. yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I,
3: I think these days I'm much more likely to DNF books than when I was younger. I felt when I was younger I was kind of like I've started. I've read 100 pages, so I may as well read the, the other 250. <laughs> right. Whereas now I'm just like, more that, like yeah. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Like, uh, you know, I've I've got 105 unread books on my (laughs) Kindle.
0: Like, that's nothing. Come on, no time to read a crap (laughs) one. 105 at (laughs) all.
2: I found it really hard to DNF a book. Like, I've put in the time for these 50 pages. I need to see what happens now. Like, I just I don't know. It's a middle thing. Like, I'm not opposed to DNFing, but for me personally, I I find it hard to DNF a book.
1: Yeah,
0: I I, I try to trick myself with it. I I I don't officially say it's DNF but i just, just never go back, coming to, back it. to
2: it later <laughs> you put it I, to the side and you're yeah just in, my, in my
0: head i'm gonna go back to it maybe two or three times before i get done i never say i dnf it just you know might be two or three years down the line <laughs> yeah like well, i, I was, recently was,
2: listened to, cool. to choke i listened to choke by chuck polnick and i oh, did not yeah. like it at all the only reason i stuck it out was because everyone's like the ending is amazing it's gonna blow your mind i got to the ending and it was just like oh that was, that was what happened? Okay.
3: Well, I saw that on like two of your book hauls. I think it was like a, like what I've been reading. And like the yeah. first one, you were kind of like, well, you know, it's not that great. The writing's okay, but the story's not great. But everyone keeps saying it's really good. Then the second one, you were just like, really not was, enjoying this. I was bored to yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like nothing happened. And it was just like the same thing over and over again. So I just I stuck it out for that end that was supposed to be so good. And it didn't change my opinion at all of the book.
3: It's
0: very sad. Do you pay much attention to... Uh, reviews, good reads, Amazon, all that stuff. I mean I are, are... do read the reviews still because I'm still like a baby writer.
3: Um sure. uh so and and I really appreciate also like I think I think as well like I this is personal, I don't think like this is the way everyone should think about it, but like I really do think like if someone's taken the time to review something that i've written because i know it is like I, I, you know, I do always review now because i'm writing but i know yeah. no, certainly when i was when i was not writing i didn't always take that time so if someone takes time i feel like I, i'm going to give them the serve the serve do them the service of like reading it um and sometimes you know there have been some things where like um there, i've read things in reviews and i have thought yeah so that's a fair fair comment actually like crit- critical stuff i've thought like yeah fair enough i understand where that's coming from um mm-hmm. so that can be useful as well I find it really interesting actually that um, curfew is like the most decisive, uh, sorry, sorry, divisive thing that I've put out. Like, cause, and I knew this would be the case. Cause when I got the, the beta readers to read it, like one of them was like the ending, why didn't you expand more on the ending? And the other one was like, I love the way the ending is just like, everything is batshit crazy. And like, what's actually happened. We don't really know. And I was like, I'm sticking with that. Cause that's where I want it to be. Um, like, I, like. I, mean, I don't think been.
0: I've written a review for it yet, but I, I, I like, uh, the craziness. Plus, I mean, it's got to stay short to begin with, so, yeah. so yeah, you can't exactly. expand too much on it. But a lot
3: of the reviewers were like, were like, uh, "were like, I really like this," and then the ending was too open. I'm like, "Yeah, all right, Fair enough. I completely understand the perspective." But for me, it was like that was the point. So, so yeah.
0: you don't get too pissy if you get a bad review, then?
3: No, no, no. <laughs> I, actually, I really like um, the really bad reviews. Like um, my one of my my favorite review I've had so far was um, of Snap, and it was a review of like that um, that anthology you mentioned earlier, the uh, Dark, in Darkness Tonight, Creature yeah. of the Night. Yeah, uh-huh. and like this lady reviewed the book, and she wrote a little review for every story, which you know took a really lot of time. So well done for her and like when she got to snap that's the one that's the guy she wrote uh snap one star there is no story and i was like wow (laughs) that's great i love that
0: that's great That i should probably go back and check what i gave that shoot now that i think of it because i did review all the stories in this oh man i I need to Mm. check that now (laughs) so have you ever
2: taken anything from review like a constructive criticism and actually implemented it into your writing for something in the future uh or you say piss off, y'all can think what you want to think.
3: <laughs> I don't know if I've like implemented something directly as such, but like, um, but I, I kind of stay mindful of like the things that they mentioned because often it's like more sort of like nuanced things, like sort of things about atmosphere or something like that. So I'll maybe think about that as well. So yeah, so poss- possibly possibly, but not not things like you know change
0: something specifically. I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: yeah. Now you got me looking to see what I gave Snap. <laughs> Uh, so many pages to look at. You've Go ahead, Brad. You've <laughs> said you've
2: only been writing professionally for what four or five years now.
3: Yes, yeah, it's 2017. Uh, that was when I landed um, the story in uh, that that one that w- warding basically that came into that uh, that anthology from um, Things in the Well, uh, which is called B- uh, Below the Stairs: Tales from the Cellar, um, and then. That, that year actually i went to celebrate uh new year's eve um at the end of the year and i'd submitted um the fourth wall to lost films and you know i was very much thinking after like lost signals being like amazing and like knowing that it would be hundreds of people submitting i was like probably got no chance but you know you've got to try you don't self-reject right and then like mm-hmm. new year's eve it was like 20 minutes to midnight and i got an email saying like uh i love this story it's going to be in this anthology and i was like oh shit <laughs> so yeah started like 2018 like thinking like this is actually like a really big deal like being in a book with gemma files and like oh yeah oh, yeah oh my god and like brian evanson i was just like <laughs>
2: <laughs> so had you been writing consistently sort of before that and just sort of start to put your stuff out there or did you just kind of start and start throwing it out there or
3: 2017 was the year that i did the the story week challenge that was the year that i wrote 39 stories um and Mm -hmm. and some of them like total garbage and like you know have been incinerated um (laughs) no one uh, will ever see this exactly exactly like eviscerated from the universe like i've actually like found the bits of my memory that contain them and like sort of killed the brain cells (laughs) um but like yeah that was that was the year when i decided to take it seriously because that the, the christmas before i was like um uh or maybe the christmas before that maybe it was 2015 christmas i don't know uh but yeah one, one time i basically was alone in a flat in lisbon and kind of questioning some of my life decisions and um there was a competition for uh for horror stories or just dystop- horror or dystopian and i wrote a story set in lisbon um based around street art and like it kind of coming true like being prophetic um mm-hmm. and i submitted it to this competition thinking i had no chance i won second prize and i was like oh Oh, interesting. Maybe I can do this after all. So yeah, I started doing it seriously after that, really.
0: What was there aside from that, was there a book you read at some point that made you realize, you know, I can do this. I, I could do this. If this person's doing it, I could do this. I don't think so. Um one thing that
3: I, I did read a book um by you know Haruki Murakami.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I read a book by him um in uh in about two thousand and 10 and um it's called dance 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 and it's the Mm -hmm. main character basically like finds his life he describes it as shoveling snow because like whatever he does like nothing ever changes and i felt and it kind of really spoke to me about the job i was doing previously like as an office worker i was just like Mm -hmm. yeah if i die nothing will change if i like just come to work and like read a (laughs) book all day and drink coffee (laughs) nothing will change and so i just decided to like make massive changes to my life and that was kind of I think that put me on the path to doing stuff that's more creative because I started doing travel writing when I left the country and started living in different places. I started doing travel writing first of all, and that was really fun. But then I always wanted to write fiction. I just wasn't sure I could. So did you ever Did you write? Yeah, I guess you didn't
2: write as a teenager or anything like that. It was just more into your adult life you started to pursue it.
3: No, I did write when I was young. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually wrote when I was a kid uh, a story that's the same as Stargate. And I'm telling you, it was before <laughs> Stargate, guys. So I think they what I stole did... your idea. They came to my primary school when I was Can like you ten. Have you proof
0: of this? No. Uh,
3: I used to have like honestly, there was a picture of a guy at the end of the story that I drew, and my pictures are the worst ever, so it might be open to interpretation. I'm not sure it'd stand up in court. <laughs> there was like a protagonist guy standing on a pyramid with like a big circle, swirly circle thing behind him, and I was like. Well, i went to see stargate at the cinema i was like i can't believe these guys have nixed my idea absolute bastards so
2: you you called your star circle and they called their stargate i think that's what it was
3: yeah or i called it like sort of star portal or something star like port- this or like <laughs> something star portal. and uh but yeah it was it wasn't very good uh, i'm sure i'm sure it was very bad actually and then when i was at university i wrote like a, a vampire novel that was like the most self-indulgent sort of teen <laughs> angst fueled garbage like that you could ever imagine. And uh, that has also been
0: wiped and <laughs> eviscerated. Force,
2: yeah. <laughs> what, what, what made you go the horror route specifically? Have you just always been drawn to horror, like horror movies and stuff? Or are you just like the darker side of life? He's yeah, a very dark might... guy,
0: screaming you know,
3: metal. screaming yeah. uh... yeah, I just <laughs> have a very dark disposition. I've always been a bit of pessimist. Um So... Uh, I, yeah, I have a very dark disposition generally. I mean, when I was reading, I used to read a lot of mixed stuff, like some horror, some science fiction, some uh, like literary fiction, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know like,
0: really. That's got that's so broad to really figure out what that is. It, it? Yeah, I just figured it's anything that doesn't fall in other genres. <laughs> yeah, that's it. or doesn't really have a plot. Like, exactly. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing really
3: happens. Just people reflect on things. Just, just life. Yeah, yeah, people have toast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly
2: that sounds like that book ohio Jay, have you read that yet (laughs) what's his name steven is it steven berkeley or something like that maybe i don't even
0: think i have it i've seen it but yeah
2: it's just like four friends in a diner just recollect recollecting about their lives is what it's about i've heard it's really good though so i'm sure if
3: it's good dialogue then i'll be all over it yeah yeah Yeah.
2: so yeah so you were talking about uh go ahead right you're talking about stephen king and Clive barker earlier were those some of your influences reading yeah influences.
3: actually when i was a kid like i read um the first horror book i read was the rats by james herbert uh, when i was about yeah. eight or nine and that was like horrific completely horrific um and then uh, i read a few stephen king novels i read it i read salem's lot salem's lot was the first one that really made a big impression on me um i think it was just too much for the age when i read it because i was like 11 or 12 and i just think i some of it went over my head and yeah. like just the size of it as well was quite daunting so i think i kind of probably skipped bits uh but Salem's lot I read as a youngster and really was like bloody hell like this really has a big influence. I also used to read actually my dad used to have uh, used to be a subscriber to a magazine which may mean that my dad's like crazy. I don't know, maybe yes. <laughs> um it was called The Unexplained. Um and like it was just like you know UFOs, cryptids, like satanic cults in places like you know like uh, Wimbledon. Um uh, and it was it was fascinating. Like I got really, I, I, I read. I think I read every issue of that that he had, and was like convinced that if I went down to Wimbledon Common, I would find satanic cults like summoning demons.
2: <laughs> now cool. this is probably gonna be really ignorant. Is that Wimbledon where they to play tennis, or is that something completely different? Yeah, exactly, different? exactly.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's really nearby. Yeah, like there's uh, the, the tennis thing is sort of separate from the common, but the common's like a big sort of like parkland on the edge of London and uh mm-hmm. yeah there was like this uh i remember reading this article it still stays with me now i was like 10 when i read it it was like they were summoning the demon asmodeus and okay. like uh someone found I know a... him so from it was... dungeons and
2: dragons of course jay go, i'm familiar exactly.
0: with him well I was, I was gonna say i missed out on on things like these magazines that i've heard people say they have when they were younger and, and goosebumps and all that stuff i mean i missed out on all that stuff for somehow kind of want to Did go you back read and...
3: goosebumps as a kid kev I'm too too old for that, I'm afraid. Too old. Um, okay. Yeah, so you're in my boat. Okay. Yeah. I was like thirteen already when the Goosebumps started coming out and it was like, you know, pitched at kind of younger than that. So Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did read like Point Horror as a kid, which okay. uh talking earlier about like the, the cross section of horror and romance, that used to cover that off quite well. It was like a uh, babysitter is in love with the guy and the guy's obviously the murderer, <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> That was also by like that R.L. Stein character. Though. A lot of his books were in that in that series. Yeah, he, he did talks. a lot
0: of different uh, spinoffs from Goosebumps, but still, I I wasn't a very big uh, reader when I was younger. So there's so many things I've missed out on.
2: Alex, the bookie, she has a whole big Point Horror yeah.
0: collection behind her in her house.
2: I think yeah. she's got like every Point Horror book. I've never read any of the Point Horror stuff. I think so I read sort about of
3: 60 or 70 of them. Like, as a, as so, a is it like
2: goosebumps, but like more for teenagers? Is that kind more of what it is? More for teenagers,
3: exactly. It was kind of like, you know, the cheerleaders are all getting killed or this kind of thing. We don't even have cheerleaders in England, so, but I was familiar with the concept. <laughs> you really don't have cheerleaders in England? Okay. No, no. I mean, what's the point? They can't, they'd can't. they have to wear like a coat because it's cold all the time.
0: They <laughs> yeah. got bubble jacket. It's, it's, it's either yeah, raining exactly. or it's cold. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, you know, and, and the uniforms aren't going to have different colors. Everything's gray. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: andreas has a question on here This is an interesting is Br- question
3: um dime novels or monthly series with i think like maybe in the past this stuff used to exist i'm not like like penny dreadfuls we have that yeah i'm not convinced we have that stuff nowadays um but certainly i think it was it was possibly something that existed in the past yeah 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 yeah
2: i think she's talking about alex as well she has all the point yeah. horror books
3: in the background yeah yeah, they were pretty great. Like, uh, I mean, you know, certainly of their time. Like, I think I think some of them now, if you read them now, you might be like, oh, goodness. Perhaps. Uh, ha- you can't print this today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Blimey. Well, were, those, were those an American thing? or were they a UK
2: thing? Or they just were American. Yeah, yeah, very okay. much so. Yeah, well, yeah.
0: well, speaking of that, and as we start winding down here a little bit, now that you've published and you've, you've written books and, and, and you published books and people know about you, has it changed the way you look at yourself? in any way that's a
2: really deep question jay for this right i I
0: just just figure i just figure you know let's let's go out on on a high point and and make them think make his head explode a little bit yeah
3: (laughs) um i don't think so like Um, like,
0: as far as like has anything come out in your writing that you that you realize you didn't have in you that now you might have a different opinion about yourself or anything like that I, I think... know it's totally loaded and, and, and wide, but
2: Kev's like, I'm a damn good writer, but <laughs> good what, enough. Came out of it. <laughs> good um, enough.
0: Uh,
3: I think maybe one thing that I that I see in what I write, because uh, I think a lot of the time we write stuff that is kind of like important to us uh without really having an idea that we're doing it until afterwards. Like because mm-hmm. below is really about like i mean i think personally anyway like afterwards i think below is really about like heroes and the perspective Mm -hmm. of heroes and like how kind of how heroes are never like as bulletproof as you think they are um but also that villains are never as bulletproof as as as, like utterly ghastly as you think they are as well so like there's kind of this like measure of like You know, like we always tend to exaggerate people Like we see like the all dark or all the light in somebody Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like inappropriate. And I think that is something that I have considered a lot over the last few years um, uh, and didn't really think about it when I was writing it. And then when I read it afterwards, I was like, yeah, this is totally what this is about, isn't it? Um, And and also like, I mean, things like characters. What's that? Sorry.
2: It's those grey characters. they're not good they're not bad they're they're in the middle that's
3: it that's it exactly there's some kind of element of like both sides yeah and i think as well like there's always family tension in um below and uh, no sorry in all my books in all my writing and well very often anyway and um and i think that's something that's very apparent in my life like i've had quite a lot of family tension growing up and stuff and it's really interesting having the perspective now of being like in a family like through my missus um that is more like sort of together and it's really, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of nice. And it's also kind of weird as well. Cause I like, haven't really been in that situation for most of my life. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite bizarre. So I've reflected on that quite a lot as well. Okay.
0: Any other writers in your family? Besides you? Um,
3: I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. So
0: you're I wanted to ask
2: you one, one. Yeah. one more question before we, we wrap up since you're pretty well traveled. You've mm-hmm. been, Lots of different places. Is there a certain place in the world you would like to set a story in that you haven't done so already? Ooh. Um,
3: I don't, do you know the thing that was like really driving me was uh, uh, until this point about that was writing something set in the middle east and now i've done that i feel really really happy about it um Mm -hmm. and i'm really really excited to get that out in the world and actually the more i speak to people about it the more people go like this is okay i think this is gonna be okay whereas i was a bit worried because it's like sort of um people with an islamic background and like a lot of the stigma around that kind of like cultural identity in the world these days. I wondered if people might be like, like I can't identify with these characters, like pissed off with that story. Um, mm-hmm. But I actually think, uh, I think the more I speak to people about it, the more people are kind of like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna hear this. I wanna see what this is about. So that's really encouraging. Um, and, but I do actually wanna set something longer form in Portugal at some point, because it's kind of my home and I've got like the one story, the solstice there and nothing else I've written has right. been there.
0: So oh. I wanna do something with it, yeah. That's see, Brad, that question was deeper than my question, so. <laughs> like
2: the the gin story sounds, I'm so on board for that. I'm yeah. totally down. I don't care if it's yes. set in the Middle East or somewhere else. I'm so down for that one.
3: If they don't eat bacon, it's, it's okay.
2: <laughs> That's right. I'll let them slide on the not eating bacon. I'll eat their bacon yeah. for them. And they yeah, I'll get, eat the bacon, bacon for them as well.
3: We'll share the bacon. That's fine. <laughs> Favorite novels or stories take place in mines or uncharted cave systems? Ooh, ooh, interesting. I don't really know um, if I've read too many.
0: I'm going to say uh, below books. by uh, Kev Harrison. <laughs> yeah, there's this guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, this book right here is yeah. it's
3: not too shabby. <laughs> I mean I think the descent uh, is always a classic. Um I think also yeah. um uh, as above, so below, that film in the French um mm-hmm. in the Paris uh,
0: I think I'm getting that confused. The catacombs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I That's think I'm getting those people... too confused. So the descent's all the above,
2: women yeah. that go spelunking in the, the uh in the case so below yeah. is like the underground like uh, catacombs yeah. and stuff.
3: That, there's that one scene where they walk into that chamber at the end where there's the guy. Well, I don't know if it's a guy, like someone standing there looking into that hole. And like, I've seen the film like four times, maybe, uh, or like watched it properly twice, and then like seen it while my missus has been watching it in the background. And like, mm-hmm. every time I see that scene, I just go, ugh. <laughs> like, it just makes me feel like really uncomfortable. So I think, I mean, if it's still scaring me on the fourth watch, then that's really impressive. Yeah. S-
2: someone said it earlier, I think, but uh, it's a cheesy movie. My Bloody Valentine is a cheesy slasher. You know, mining movie is pretty fun. Yeah, but as yeah, far as like a really messing with me, I've ever watched it. Yeah, they they had like an old one in the eighties, and then they redid it. It was in three D. It was like one of the first three okay, okay. D horror movies I they did, and it was I actually really it was 3D. decent three oh, D. He throws like he throws like the pickaxe at you at one point. I think that's I, what I'm remembering. I jumped yeah. like, yeah. oh yeah.
3: Oh my god, I would actually quite like to see that.
2: Yeah, but uh, The Descent bothers me the all yeah. the claustrophobic stuff because i'm claustrophobic and there's parts of that movie that just make me cringe up it's is horrible it. isn't it yeah
3: yeah and like the conflict when they're climbing i mean that's just like oh god just. I can't like, the, you could have
2: just left the monsters and everything out of it that still would have yeah. bothered me as a horror yeah, movie totally, totally yeah Squeezing absolutely. through. i can't squeeze through the little crevices and stuff absolutely not
3: yeah no me either
2: Ugh. do you have any real life phobias that you've written into a book like uh, claustrophobic or anything or
3: i only have one real life phobia uh, which i can't write into books really because it's horses <laughs> interesting
2: um, you scared of horses
3: terrified um because a horse ate a jumper that i was wearing when i was uh eight years old <laughs> like i <You>, uh, just <laughs> ate it off my person just like <laughs> i like, wrenched it off and i would just given it food as well so i felt particularly aggrieved well, I mean, you could write so like a man traumatized horse or something i mean yeah like, man-eating like horse that. novel it could it could happen so yeah. to,
2: without trying to spoil it did thought blood bother you then
3: um, yeah, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. That monster. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that at all. Oh, that's right. I've never, uh, okay. i have never heard of that monster before. No, nor uh, had uh, I, uh, no, I. No, I, no, I, I looked towards, I it up afterwards,
0: too. Yeah. I, I had to go name. look it up. And yeah. of
2: course, they have it in D&D because because <laughs> everything's in they? D&D. It was like one of the older editions, but yeah, the, it's in one of the books. I remember Amazing. finding some
0: pictures so I could put it in my uh, video. It's review. just
2: grizzly and nasty
0: looking. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool creature. It's just like really bad, bad, bad.
2: Interesting horse phobia. Is there like, do you know if there's a name for that, or is it just
3: I guess it's got to be something hippo related because, like, the word uh, <laughs> is that horse, horse comes from or... like hippo something? I'm
2: sure it's there like... is because there's a name for every kind of phobia, exactly. Like, um, just be phobia, phobia
3: like endo, onophobia. yeah.
2: Because yeah. we had a Sadie Hartman on and she has the phobia like she's holes, like, freak her out, like pinholes and like holes and stuff bother her. Yeah, what's that called I think that's, again? I don't know, that's a very strange phobia in my opinion. I don't know why. But it affects I guess more really,
3: people than you realize. Like I, yeah. I know several people who are affected.
0: By I've that. never heard of that till she said it. Honestly. So I guess
2: like an old like telephone you're talking to with all the holes in receiver. I guess that would bother her. I guess. So yeah, yeah it's hip,
3: hippophobia. There you go, hippophobia. hippophobia. That is uh, fear of horses. There you are. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
2: I can see a good horror story coming from. Some kind of crazy horse thing though, them going mad or something like foaming at the mouth, something. I don't think I could do it. I think take, I'll just get someone else to do it. I Eating jackets off little place. kids, oh,
0: yeah. take a place on a ranch,
2: yeah, yeah, LS. That's your splatter yeah. western, Kev. You need yes, go no to get a splatter no. western That's train no, involved with that. zombie horses. He said, like, No, I'm not doing it. He, he, no he's no chance, piss. he's never no, gonna talk anyway. to us again about this. I'll have to have trauma
0: counseling for like yeah. years. He's gonna call his doctor right now as soon as he gets on there. He's speed dial.
2: These Americans yeah. are hateful. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we could do this all night, but I I know we all have to get places. So I mean, this has just been great. It's been fun. Kev, Gosh, it's be thanks Kev's so bedtime. much for having me on. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you so much for agreeing to this.
3: Yeah, I, just, thank you for inviting me. It's been such yeah. a pleasure.
0: I mean, <laughs> you you had to have known you were going to get into some shenanigans with us, but we appreciate <laughs> you playing along. Yeah, yeah. I love shenanigans. Exactly. Exactly. So, so before so, before
2: we leave, where can everybody find you, Kev?
3: um uh, so my uh, website is called uh, kevharrisonfiction.com so all one word uh, not kevin just kev because only my mum calls me kevin and only when i'm in trouble um <laughs> and on twitter i'm lisboeta ingles which is like a portuguese for an english man living in lisbon uh, but if you go to my website you can find the links from there yeah. um yeah and check out below and let me know if you like it or not whichever way i don't mind New yeah.
2: just came out this week from Silver Shamrock. Yeah, this Tuesday. Awesome. Uh, what, 17th, Keelan 8th, Patrick Burke cover. Definitely. definitely. Yeah,
3: amazing cover. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Again, everyone in the chat, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thanks for, for the questions, wise.
3: guys. Yeah.
0: Everyone that's listening on a podcast platform right now, it's obviously recorded and you're listening to it later. <laughs> Thanks so much <laughs> for listening to us. For our special guest this week, Kev Harrison, uh, hop over, buy all of his stuff. You'll thank me. Below came out this past week, so pick it up, and then you know what we're talking about throughout this conversation. Co host Brad Proctor over this way. It's been another exciting episode of Paper Cuts until we meet again, everyone. Stay safe. See ya.
1: All right, Queen Wave. Thank you so much. Love Love you, Brad.